Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 10. This week, we're talking about Star Wars, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. With Joe. I have been every voice you have ever heard inside your head. JC. You know what you are? What? You're difficult. Really difficult. You, You're a difficult man. You are. Ray. Joel. You're the best fighter we have. We need you. Out there, not here. And Steve. Do me a personal favor. Be optimistic. Yes, ma'am. Uh, this is this is terrific. You're not going to believe how well this is going to turn out. It's going to be great. Welcome to the Movie Planet. I'm your host, Joe, and joining me today from the Sith Planet Exegol is the Emperor Palpatine to my Luke Skywalker, Joel. Ooh. Welcome, Pelps. It's good to be back. It's good to have you in-house. In-studio. I've got my Detroit wall behind me. I'm already pulling <laughs> cables out of the new box. It's like I never left. It's wonderful. Also joining us today via Zoom from the warm climate, climate of Jakku. Jakku. The Supreme Leader Snoke to my Kylo Ren, Steve. Hey. What's a clamic? I want to know what a clamic is. A cl and I really do. As what, you what's, can what's hear... Clamic? As you can hear, finally, also via Zoom, the Iron Man to my Captain America, the Harry Potter to my Voldemort, the Kathleen Kennedy to my George Lucas legacy, the Anakin Skywalker to my Darth Vader, JC. Welcome. Welcome, on. JC. You just called me Kathleen Kennedy? Hold on. I just <laughs> called Kathleen Kennedy? What is this? So, Why could, John Favreau, at least. I was going Come with the. On. I was going with the theme of you're always called a girl on this. Oh, I am. You yeah. called wow. me a girl. I mean, don't you remember all the times I've introduced you and Joel, and you're like, "How come I'm always the woman?" Oh, that is true. Well, that's true. <laughs> I think it's because I'm more effeminate. I'm more effeminate. I have a girly voice. It, <laughs> yes, that husky, I, husky, and, and, girly and, voice. And the beard, the, the beard adds to my bearded lady uh, physique. <laughs> this week we are finally, finally completing the Skywalker saga, which should be considered its own franchise of films beyond the Star Wars movies. Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker for the 2019, no, from 2019 for the Space Fantasy Pantheon of Films. Now that Pantheon is comprised of all Star Wars films right now. Number one was episode seven, The Force Awakens. Number two, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Number three, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, number four, Return of the Jedi. Number five, Rogue One. Number six, episode one, The Phantom Menace. And number seven, The Last Jedi. However, I have changed my grade because of this movie for The Last Jedi. In The Last Jedi, I gave it a grade range of a B to a C plus. I am changing my grade to this. It is my grade for The Last Jedi is now a B minus. And this moves Star Wars A New Hope back into the Pantheon. Oh. Oh, wow. So Star Wars, the granddaddy, the original, is number seven in the Pantheon now, edging out Star Wars Episode Eight just a smidge. And I'll explain why in my critique later on as to why I'm doing it. Uh, you mean your essay, your your essay later on? Yeah, well, 
I'm not the only one that wrote one. <laughs> now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it down on its ass from the Pantheon in the future. So we will discuss the movie and in an hour or so. So we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. This is a spoiler-rich podcast. So if you haven't seen 2019 Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, it's best to be stop right here, watch the movie, turn us back on, enjoy our discussion and analysis. And, but now that we've handled that business... <clears throat> <clears throat> Let's get down to business! This week, we are discussing 2019 Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker, a movie made for $275 million that brought in $1.7707 billion worldwide. Written by Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams. Story by, count them on your fingers, Derek Connolly, Colin Trevorrow, J.J. Abrams, and Chris Terrio. It's a lot of cooks in that that's kitchen. Only, that's only four people. I mean, there's been more writers. Well, those are the ones that were on this movie. Yeah, but you made it seem like it was going to be a lot. That's only four. Well, I don't, I mean, just because it's a story by, that doesn't mean that those are all the writers. Well, technically. Isn't there usually one story writer? Isn't there usually one story writer and then a bunch of writers? No, J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio took Colin Trevorrow's script and tried to rework it. Mm. to make it work for this because when Carrie Fisher died it was like well that that blew up the Death Star for the fifth time there we go uh, music <laughs> music by John Williams and directed by J.J. Abrams based on the characters created by George Lucas and murdered I mean produced by Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> oh now it's okay to insult her after I've been identified as her <laughs> starring Carrie Fisher our, our princess as Leia Organa, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, Daisy Ridley as Rey, John Boyega as Finn, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Naomi Aki as Janna, Donald Gleason as General Hux, Rachel, Richard E. Grant as General Pride, Lupita Nyong'o as Masconata, Carrie Russell as Zori Bliss, Junis Suatamo as Chewbacca, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose Taiko, Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine, hey, there's Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, Dennis Lawson, he was in there for a line as Wedge Antilles, Greg Grunberg as Snap Wexley, and Warwick Davis is back as wicked <laughs> yeah got that little furry bastard in there and the voices of hayden christensen olivia diabo ashley Eckstein, jennifer hale samuel l jackson ewan mcgregor and alec guinness frank oz frank freddie prince jr and liam neeson as all the dead jedi and harrison ford the biggest kept secret in this movie as han solo yeah let's just get into the making of this but we're not going to do the whole making of because nothing is true anymore with Disney. We just don't know what the hell's true and what isn't. Uh, so let's just go into this. Do you guys remember some of the rumors that were coming out after this movie came out about how tumultuous this was? Yes. Do I remember the specific rumors? No. Some I of just the- remember that there were rumors about how tumultuous it was, but I didn't want to read them because I like my fanboy status and I like living in my world of not knowing information. <laughs> As, as I'm about to complain about how this movie doesn't give me enough information. Ignorance is so bliss, I right? I also like my well of hypocrisy. I, I'm comfortable <laughs> in my well of hypocrisy. It keeps me warm like a blanket. <laughs> Steve, do you remember anything about this? So I just remember after watching it, at like any movie that I see at the movie theater, um, as I'm walking out, I give myself about 10 minutes of silence and as I'm walking out to the parking lot, then I get into my car and I call my buddy down in Tennessee. <laughs> and, and then for the next hour and a half, we have a discussion about this, this, and this, and this. So um, do I remember them talking about it and 
not really other than what we talked about so yeah i mean talking about this movie it's kind of like talking about everything that disney has done with this franchise so far and i think we all remained pretty hopeful after last jedi especially considering what disney did with the mcu and ending their franchise it was kind of like well they can't screw up star wars look what they did with the marvel cinematic universe I remember the stories about J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy butting heads. I remember rumors about the Colin Trevorrow scripts being out there, and it wasn't really released until about a year ago, so almost a year after the movie came out. And I, I've read the script. I, I have it on my phone, and I kind of go back to it every now and then. It's a really good script, but it's Carrie Fisher heavy. And when Carrie Fisher died, you can't make that script anymore. Uh, I also learned the news about how Ryan Johnson didn't have any direction to make his film. So he was allowed to just go wherever he wanted with it in Last Jedi. And when JJ came back, he was kind of like, well, this wasn't my plan. Mm. And so they kind of had to re refigure it again. But gentlemen, on a scale of one to 10, being you'd swallow a lightsaber to see this movie as a 10, or one being you'd rather be turned into a space pony than see this. What was your anticipation level for this final installment? And do you remember when you first saw it, Joel? Well, first off, I want to talk about this ranking system. I think that being turned into a space pony sounds much nicer than swallowing <laughs> a uh, lightsaber. Um, so the former's a I 10 for it. me. You did not. I mean, who doesn't like swallowing long things? <laughs> All right. So I would, I would say my excitement was a 10. And I'm oh, sorry, not a 10. Whoa. Whoa. Reread the cue. I would say an eight. Well, what do you feel? You was, wrote it. I know. I was thinking about the 10 being a lightsaber and how I don't want that. Um, I would say that I was an eight of pure nostalgia. Okay. Like, I love the tradition of going to see Star Wars on opening night. Um, but I've learned, as we learn more and more news and all of the theories from different universes and what is canon, the more I took that stuff in, I realized I'm not smart enough to fully understand every character line that's happening. And so that kind of took the childhood. Like once you get old enough, you start like paying attention to different things, mm -hmm. but that childhood love of going into star Wars and not caring about any of that stuff made it an eight for me. Ah, okay. Steve, how about you? Uh, I'd probably say the same thing in, in, in eight. I saw it opening weekend, Star Wars. I kind of had to um, convince the wife to go with me. I was excited, but the bar was really low for me. I mean, The Last Jedi. Had Solo coming out by then? Yes, it had. Uh, okay, Solo. Rogue One. <laughs> Solo is a great just, movie. Uh, <laughs> I... Laundry would be great over Han Solo. <laughs> I like. I mean, laundry's not so great, not so bad either. But Solo's fantastic. I mean, I was happy that JJ was going back for it because I love The Force Awakens, but Disney had just left left me scarred and deformed. <laughs> Probably a beautiful scar in the shape of a Death Star exploding. Yeah. <laughs> so I was excited, but my bar was low. So I was a ten. And okay, I thought I saw it with you, with JC and Joel. Did I, I 
I thought I did. Yeah. We saw it together, right? Uh-huh. JC yeah, did. Of course we did. Okay. Because I, I remember buying the tickets, but I thought somebody, one of you two, didn't you guys have something pop up and you couldn't come? I thought you had, didn't, no. you, didn't you have a- uh, No, that happened with Alien for me and you. Oh, that was Alien. Alien, oh, okay. yeah. Th- that was an upsetting one. No, I think we, all I was, saw it. we all saw it together, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that together. was one that I I remember- like every few weeks, I was like, "Reminder: yeah. <laughs> six months from now, I'm right. going to a movie with Joe." <laughs> no, Alien was the one that like I got super excited for, and then was out of town for. Right, right. No, I I was a ten when I was ready to see this, and it's funny. I I don't remember seeing it with both of you. I remember seeing it the week after with my mother. Wow. Yeah, Joel. We've been replaced by his mother. Well, I don't I can't know. Tell if that's a compliment to the mom, and we should just be happy that the mom is so loved, and we are just so ignored. Yeah, I think this is a. I think this is a double win situation for all of us. <laughs> JC, how about you? <laughs> Maybe you can oh, enlighten me on how that experience was, since I clearly wasn't there. <laughs> de- def- def- definitely a ten. It was definitely a ten. Yeah, and I remember coming out being super excited and super like emotional. And like you were just like glazed over. Your face was just like, uh. <laughs> and, and I remember you looking at me and you're like, you're not allowed to say anything because I have to think. Like I remember you <laughs> yelling at me because you had to like be in your head and I wasn't allowed to like just start talking to you. No, so, I do remember now because yes. we went to Steak and Shake afterwards, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yes, what, like one of those stu- one of those places, and then we sat down. And on the way there, JC, you got to hear yourself in the Last Jedi podcast, and you were mortified by your own voice. Yeah, my voice sounds awful. <laughs> sounds like a pleasant woman. Who hasn't found his his fork yet? And I do remember calling Steve uh, after he saw it, and you and I had a discussion for about forty five minutes to an hour about the movie. I think about how yeah. great Solo was. <laughs> no, we did a two-hour podcast about how awful that was. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason you guys left me off. I'd ruined your rigged scoring system. <laughs> okay, Battle of the Five Armies. <laughs> uh, let's get started with walking through this movie with a clip from 2019 Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. We've decoded the intel from the First Order spy, and it confirms the worst. Somehow Palpatine returned. Wait, do we believe this? It cannot be. The Emperor is dead. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. He's been planning his revenge. His followers have been building something for years. The largest fleet the galaxy's ever known. He calls it the Final Order. In 16 hours, attacks on all three worlds begin. The Emperor and his fleet have been hiding in the unknown regions on a world called Exegol. Exegol does not appear on any star chart, but legend describes it as the hidden world of the Sith. There are always whispers. It's holding to teach death. So Palpatine's been out there all this time, pulling the strings. Always in the shadows from the very beginning. If we want to stop him, we must find him. We must find Exegol. General. Can I speak with you? I know how to get to Exegol. Tell me. Luke searched for it for a long time. He nearly found it. 
There are ciphers here I can't read. But he said to get there, you need one of these. A Sith Wayfinder. They're compasses that lead the way to Exegol. To stop what we both know is coming. I need to finish what Luke started. Find Exegol. Find the Emperor. No. I don't want to go without your blessing, but I will. I will. It's what you would do. The opening crawl reveals that a mysterious broadcast has been heard across the galaxy in the voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches agents across the galaxy to gather information on this while Kylo Ren, now Supreme Leader of the First Order, searches for Palpatine in an effort to eliminate all potential threats to his power. Uh, okay, the Emperor's back. What? How? Why? What is this? Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> Seriously, why couldn't they use this as more of a shock factor in the movie? I mean, this was one of the many fan theories that was going on out there at the time. And the fact that they put it in the opening crawl, like the second or first sentence, you see Palpatine has returned or rise from the dead. I mean, I got to give the crawl, Joe, you and I kind of talked about it on how they put a lot of emphasis on like the very first word. Yes. And it was like death. The you know, dead or speak. Some, or, or yeah, the dead speak. <laughs> and then they emphasize other words on there. And the last one I spoke, like when I watched it the other day was revenge. And I'm like, okay, this is the third movie in this trilogy, you know, revenge of the Sith. Like, I kind of got a little bit of a parallels there, but I absolutely hated the fact that they spoiled that the emperor was back. JC, what'd you think about the emperor? I, I actually agree. I didn't think about that. I do. I do feel like they shouldn't have put it in the crawl just wait until we see it i agree with that um when i saw the emperor was back i thought that was cool because i figured it was the clone storyline from legends era but the fact that i knew that and nobody else who doesn't know that uh because they hadn't read it that's a problem for me um as far as the signal thing um clearly the first order is just as corrupt and getting good tech as the new republic would be well yeah but i mean okay so at the end of last jedi they tried to broadcast a signal to all the resisting systems and nobody answered. But the Emperor and his crusty ass followers were able to get their signal out. Yeah. <laughs> well, my thought was like, didn't did they tease the Emperor before the trailer, before this movie ever came out? Uh no. Not till no. the trailer came, the teaser trailer at uh what do you call it? Star Wars Celebration, right? Oh, that's, that's when we found right. the Emperor was in it. It was the teaser. Yes. Yes. Right. With the voice at the end. Yeah. Yeah. See, when I watched this, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, that's how the last movie ended. Because yeah. it had been so long since I've seen episode eight. I don't know, eight. No, no. There was no... The the last the last bad guy we saw was Snoke, and he was cut in half. Ryan Johnson, you know, ended that storyline. Okay, so he steals an ancient Sith device called a Wayfinder from the planet Mustafar and uses it to navigate the galaxy's unknown regions. Soon he finds Exegol, the mythical home world of the Sith. Sure enough, Palps is waiting for him there, having returned from the dead via unnatural means following Darth Vader's betrayal in Return of the Jedi, though he still needs to be hooked up to machinery operated by a cult-like group of Sith loyalists to stay alive. This may be my second favorite opening to a Star Wars movie, right behind episode three, the two Jedi starfighters uh, star flying amongst the warships. Yeah, Dur during yeah. this opening fight sequence, there's a lot of things that work well. Um, however, the slow motion Kylo Ren spin, where he goes, like turns the lightsaber, and does it, a 180 <laughs> and the backwards stab yeah. through another guy. And then, well, actually everything after that's fine. But... <laughs> The fact, like, I'm used, so used to, I mean, I always go back to episode one. Yeah. The super fast, like, dual lightsaber, um, whatever the fates. Yeah. Um, it's not 
I mean, I've I had not seen a scene in a long time that was this slow motion with lightsabers, so everything did look very cocky from Kylo Ren's point of view. I've never liked Kylo Ren with that big lightsaber. Like when he, you find when he gets the little one later on, he seems so much better with it. I've never noticed. Oh, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I like. It. So as as you were talking about that, Joel, it, it got me thinking of why did they do such a slow motion effect? And I think it matched actually really well with the music. I think because his music, his theme is so slow and drawn out. Um, while playing that music along with, I think if you put it in real motion, I don't know if it would fit as well. Um, I do agree that did it need to be slow. I mean, I, I guess it did. It did kind of show his cockiness, but that's one of the things that I liked is that he's just going through there on a purge throughout the entire galaxy. <laughs> and I'm willing to bet it's probably just like Darth Vader did it um, during his Jedi purge. And he's just going around trying to find this wayfinder and try to find this path to it. It was just pure chaos. But the thing that I didn't like about this is that they call it a wayfinder. Why call it a wayfinder? Just call it a holocron. I think that's what they're just used to. And <laughs> the Chevy wayfinder. He... <laughs> <laughs> but then after he kills everybody there, he just looks over to like this, I don't know, this little end table, pushes off the lid and just picks it up. I mean, that's way out in the open. Just like the eye of Agimoto. Don't get me started, dude. It was not out in the open. I will no, I I will say I was in Chicago and visiting some friends and one of their friends, they have a three year old child, and we did a Spider Man seek and find or whatever it's called. And it took way longer to find the baseball than it did for him to find <laughs> that relic that was important to, I don't know, everyone's survival. Yeah. JC, how'd you feel about it? Um, I, I liked it as an opening. I actually hadn't thought about the slow motion thing. And I'm kind of conflicted because the music does match up the slow motion. That's a good catch, Steve. But... It's lightsabers. Lightsabers shouldn't be slow, especially if I also agree with Steven that it is his purge. Like, this is his time to show, I am part of the dark side. I am this evil entity, and I'm killing everything. So we're gonna do it really slowly. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't match up. Um, <laughs> The, the I do agree with Joe though. As far as openings, nothing's going to beat the opening to Episode Three. When yeah. you see the bottom of the ship and it goes over, perfect. That is the perfect opening. Um, I do want more of Exegol though. Um, this thing leads us to Exegol. It's supposed to take us to Exegol. This was the beginning of my uh, exposition. Give me exposition, please. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, uh, I love this movie, but it, it left me wanting more right from the get-go, which is why when I rewatched it this time to get uh, prepared, um, I wanted Disney to give it the Zack Snyder uh, treatment. Maybe oh. we can go back in, make the movie four hours long. Yeah. Um, I mean, seriously, it is the end of an era, and I'll talk about this more later, especially at the end, but this was sort of like, as we're getting into this, I'm like, Rewatching it, this needs this is Zack Snyder treatment. This needs to be four or five hours. Yeah, I know you couldn't have done that for the theaters, but now that we have these streaming diverse uh, devices, hell, you got Disney Plus. Like, give JJ once Kathleen Kennedy's out, and John Favreau gets her fired. Give uh, JJ the reins. Give him all of his old uh, stuff and let him re-edit it and show us everything. Give us all of the info. 
Just just sit him in a room with like Dark Helmet with his action figures and be like, you play. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Palpatine reveals he has been pulling the strings of the First Order the whole time. He created Snoke to act as a puppet leader. God damn it. And helped tempt Kylo to the dark side. Kylo intends to kill Palpatine like he killed Snoke, but the former Emperor reveals that he has spent the last 30 years constructing an entire fleet of Star Destroyers, each with the power of a Death Star. He tells Kylo that he could be the ruler of the new Galactic Empire if he destroys Rey and ends the Jedi Order. But he also warns Kylo that there is more to Rey's story than he may realize. Okay, so Snoke is just a puppet in a specimen jar. That was a little creepy to see. I mean, was there like another jar there with like different Palpatine heads floating around too? See, that I would have liked to have seen because the idea- I thought there was. No, those were all- Those were Snokies. Uh, mm, Okay, yeah, hold on. Finish your point because then I'll go into my point. Okay, and also where has he gotten the manpower to operate all these Star Destroyers? And each with the power of the Death Star, why do you need a hundred of these? Feels like 10 could do the job. Yeah, with like a universe that's full of scavengers, yeah. like how do they have so many raw materials right. to make? On Exegol, where nobody can get to. A hundred ships the size of, I don't know, Nashville? Like a large <laughs> metropolitan city. Yes. Yeah. Uh, JC, um, go for it. I, I think this is a, a bit, I agree with like the practicality of it, but as far as the size and everything, I honestly think, and it, it harkens to something I'm going to say later, I think they tried to make the first order slash empire slash nazis all of the people in these movies as big as possible to try to show this is a massive universe this is a huge galaxy and so 10 wouldn't work because there's not like 10 solar systems there's actually like a hundred thousand solar systems i don't know i just i feel like they up the scale to show how big it actually is and they probably want one per ship so that like once they do that those ships go to like each uh, solar system and then they're there so that all the planets stay in line and if one planet doesn't stay in line one ship can wipe it out boom done final order I kind of get all that um, here's my thing with Snoke do we know who or what Snoke is yet I, I don't even know yet I think there may have been more in the comics about him and I'll admit I'm grossly behind on my comics I am too um, <laughs> I do think the recent Kylo Ren omnibus does some of Snoke's backstory, um, but it's more Snoke and Kylo backstory than Snoke's himself. Here's my questions. Is he actually a failed clone of Palpatine? Is that what Snoke is? Hence, like when you see the other jars with like Snoke body parts, are they really just Palpatines that didn't fully develop? Or is Snoke an incredibly loyal follower? He was actually so loyal that Palpatine also cloned him because like you can't really recreate that loyalty so if you want somebody that's always that loyal maybe you reclone him over and over and over again and so it's very very easy to control somebody that's that loyal to you and then my third thing was he another one of those like servants like at the beginning of Battlefront 2 storyline and I should have looked this up but that figure that begins Battlefront 2 storyline, he sort of like gives the mission of like, uh, he comes up and he like takes the face of Palpatine and all that. Yeah. Is Snoke really just another in a line of that? I don't know. So I'm not ready to sort of like hang Disney for like screwing up the Snoke thing because I feel like they've left enough to our imaginations that I can kind of fill in the blanks with a little bit of this. Again, though, I just want more information. Give me more of like, is he a loyal follower that's been cloned? Is he failed clones of Palpatines? I don't know. Uh, but um, 
clearly Snoke wasn't as important as episode seven made him seem to be, though. That is a gripe of mine. Episode seven set him up to be incredibly important. Clearly he wasn't. So I think they could have probably answered this in like one or two lines from Ian McDermott while he's talking to Kylo. Just like, not just saying, um, I made Snoke. Snoke. Yeah, exactly. I, I made him. He was at, you know, they could have like added one or two more lines and you could have actually given some validity to Snoke during those two movies. And I think that's something that they could have easily addressed. I know you know how every now and then you go on Google and they have like all those little stories that align up with your interests and crap. One of them, obviously, because I watch a lot of Star Wars stuff, the Star Wars story was on there and it was talking about Snoke and who he was when he seduced Kylo Ren. And he was a dark side follower, but I, I think Snoke was his own entity and then worked under the tutelage of the emperor. And the emperor was like, oh, give me some hair. I'll do a DNA thing and clone the shit out of you. Cause Snoke was supposed to be his own thing. And I think based off of The Last Jedi with what Ryan Johnson did, they tried to make him so, and I feel like Ryan Johnson saw Kylo Ren being the big bad in episode nine, as opposed to the Emperor's coming back. Because Kylo defeats Snoke, and now Kylo is the big bad. And I thought that's, I think that's where Ryan expected it to go. Uh, But then again, JJ didn't expect what Ryan was going to do. So this is what happens when you don't plan a trilogy. Yeah. Meanwhile, Finn, Poe, Dameron, and Chewbacca meet with an informant for the Resistance who tells them that there is a spy in the First Order leaking information. He gives them a message in the form of a data encoder, but squadrons of TIE fighters attack and arrive them. Finn, Poe, and Chewie are forced to flee in the Millennium Falcon, which takes some damage during their escape, but ultimately manages to get away and destroy a number of its pursuers. We get light light speed skipping. I thought traveling at light speed was dangerous. Clearly, but not not if you do it six times. <laughs> what are you the sixth about? time the evens came everything in, out. In, in in pieces, I think they kind of proved it wasn't safe. I mean, just the <laughs> the fact that like not even the hairs on their head move when they hit light speed. Yeah, I mean they're going light speed forwards, then they're going up, then they're going down. They're going to so many different parts of the galaxy, and not once are they like jolted <laughs> by change of direction. Yeah, Thor got messed up when Doctor Strange moved him across the mansion. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm not a science teacher. I don't understand how this magical physics works. It just looks cool. Who cares, who cares about magic made up things like physics? Listen, I can tell you that I am a science teacher that doesn't know a lot. And <laughs> knowing even just a little bit makes you overthink a lot of the things in this movie. Once someone explained to me about like the explosions in space wouldn't have fire. Right. Or sound. Or sound. Um, <laughs> It's a different movie. Yeah, it uh, definitely definitely shifted things for me. I do love Finn, Poe, and Chewie together. I like the little chemistry that they've got going on there. J.J. Abrams has always been good with dialogue. He always has that down. Uh, and R2-D2 has a USB port. Nice. He, he usually sticks in his little magic wiener that JC, JC pointed out at one point. He sticks that into things, and now he gets stuck with one. Yeah, I did. Hey, lo- I mean, sometimes you got to take as good as you give. <laughs> I did think about how great it was that all of these creatures from different places across the galaxy have universal connection devices, Mm -hmm. but we have had four Apple chargers just within the last (laughs) five to 10 years. Apple can't get it right yet. Uh, (laughs) Eventually they'll figure this out. Um, I thought this was a cool scene. I also thought it was an attempt to separate Poe from Han Solo because Han Solo's dangerous thing was the Kessel Run. And we kind of see, oh, he's a badass. I dare you to question me, punk. I'm a great driver. Kessel Run. 
Whereas Poe, he's going to show, yeah, I'm equally brave, but I'm also kind of okay to do stupid stuff as well. I'm just going to be <laughs> funnier and a little bit cockier about it than Han Solo. I think he gave each of them their like own scenes, yeah. but also like separated them as Poe is not Han Solo, but they're both rogues. They're both like fantastic pilots. I almost feel like you needed a scene that, that compared Poe to Han without saying Poe is Han because people were doing that anyway. Right, right. Uh, no, I agree. On the Jungle World... because the Kessel Run was so fantastic and made great movie solo. You're right. It was the only good that part of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it was a good scene. I'll give it that. I think that was in my top my top three. It was in my top three also, I believe. In fact, I'm pretty sure, Steve, our top threes and bottom threes are the same because there weren't a whole lot of threes. There no, because it was a 10. In the top. You can't have a lot of threes if it's a 10 movie. On the there Jungle World, Agent Claus, <laughs> where the resistance is currently based, Ray is learning the ways of the Force from Leia. She expresses frustration at her inability to communicate with the ghosts of the Jedi who came before her. But Leia patiently encourages her young student. During her training session, Ray is startled when she has sh a shared vision with Kylo Ren due to their Force connection. Flashes of scenes from the previous two movies are shown. During this scene, she becomes distracted by the vision and accidentally drops a tree on BB-8. I'm glad we got a brief training scene and that her ability to get through it shows she's done it several times before through, through her anticipation and her frustration. It's nice to see that because for too long we kept hearing she's so good and has, she has no training. Uh, Agreed, yeah. Yeah, cool visual with her floating with the rocks orbiting her. I thought that was pretty cool looking. Uh, who gets their ass kicked more, R2-D2 or BB-8? Uh, I think R2-D2 because of longevity. <laughs> He's been through a hell of a lot more. He survived a lot more <laughs> than three movies. That's, yeah, that's true. R2-D2 went through the Clone Wars. Then he gets completely ripped apart by that that person that tries to take him to Grievous. Yeah, R2-D2 definitely. Wait, to Grievous? So there's the there's the scene, it's in the first season of Clone Wars, where this like junker, because uh, Anakin Skywalker gets blown up and is ejected from his ship, and R2-D2 is stuck in the ship. And when they fly back, it was during the Leviathan storyline. Oh, okay. And when they go back to get Anakin, they find his ship, but R2 isn't there. And now Anakin's like, we have to find R2 because he has attachment issues. Um, but uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is like, no, we don't need to worry about R2. And then Anakin's like, well, I've never wiped his memory. And he's like, you idiot. And so then they go and the Junker got him. And by the time Grievous gets a hold of him, he's like cut up into a bunch of tiny pieces. Oh, I, I forgot about that. But yeah, it's I'll take in the first season of Clone Wars. Uh, this is also the first appearance of the deceased Carrie Fisher. What did you think about how they handled Fisher's absence? Would you have done something different with her character or not? If you didn't know anything about Carrie Fisher's death, which I don't know if like this newer generation would, you, I don't think you'd get any hints about it in this movie. Um, I thought how they did it was absolutely seamless. I, it's like she never left at all. I disagree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree with I agree with Steve. I, I think they did a fantastic job with it. Um, I thought it was also a great touch to learn Leia was actually a Jedi Master as she's able to teach another student. So uh, Leia clearly did achieve the rank of Master. So that's kind. Of yeah, that was actually a neat thing. After like I think when she turns and says yes, Master, I was like, whoa, there's something there's something a little different about her. Yeah, so, and obviously they alluded to that later. So yeah, that that was kind of neat to have that. So. I mean, I didn't think she was going to make her way into this movie. I thought they were going to kill her off in episode eight. So I did too. In, 
the fact that I had zero expectations, I thought they did a better job than zero. I thought they were going to start this off with a funeral for Leia. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they did what they had to do. Yeah, I didn't notice this, like, obviously the first time, which was when the movie came out, but the second time I watched it, I never noticed this until the other night when, during Ray's vision, when Kylo comes in contact with her, you can see that she, one of her visions is a Palpatine. Like, she looks like the Emperor, and what she has is that dark cloak and white eyes. I'm like, holy crap, they alluded to this really, really early, that she is a Palpatine. I don't even know if you guys noticed that. I didn't notice it at all. Oh, you got to go back and see it. It's like a quick, like, half a second where it shows that montage, I think, of, like, you know, the ship's leaving, her crying, and then all of a sudden she's got a cloak with white eyes on her. I was like, holy crap. Talk about spoiler alert. Wow, I missed that. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch that. I missed it, too. Wow. Okay. Well, the Falcon returns from its mission. Ray, appalled by the state it's in, argues with Poe. Really difficult. Really difficult. man. She is... (laughs) He's a difficult man. Ray, appalled by the state of it, it's in, argues with Poe, who is frustrated that she chooses to stay back at the base training when she's the best fighter the Resistance has. Poe then reveals to the rest of the Resistance that their worst fears have been confirmed. Palps is back, and in 16 hours, his massive fleet will be unleashed onto the galaxy. This will be what the Sith Lord calls the final order. Okay. Now, I love Ray, Finn, and Poe together. This trio has, in my opinion, better chemistry than the original trio. Hot take, what do you think? I don't really disagree with the take in regards to chemistry um, because, like, my memory serves, if my memory serves me correctly, like, there were no, like, on-set issues. There were no tabloid headlines of any of them uh, not getting along. Yeah. I feel like they all kind of got along. We're happy to be in a Star Wars movie and trust each other almost immediately on set. They all got taken off of Instagram at the exact same time. Interesting. <laughs> um, but like, I loved that that original three, the Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, they all just had that crippling pride and they were like doing Coke in their trailers and it was not a <laughs> Disney set. So, their edginess off screen, you could feel that on screen. And that's what I loved about the original three. Yeah. These, this new three, it definitely like has that Disney glow around it where it's like, we're all happy to have this job. Let's just take advantage of it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's something. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think you could flip a coin on, you know, which, which trio is really better. But I think this scene when they finally come back, did they ever establish what planet they come back to? Agent Kloss. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> probably what, Yavin 6 or whatever? It just looks exactly like Yavin. Anyways, when they come back, it's like they literally pick right up right where they left off. and They all have, like Poe points it out, says, you are our best fighter. You know, she has qualities that can help. Finn has qualities that can help. And when one's without the other, it's just not right. And I think they, it's more of a fluid dynamic with all three of them. And once you keep adding in, you know, BB-8 here or R2-D2, it still works. But I think, yeah, their chemistry on screen is just, it's very, very fluid. And I think it works really well. Okay, a couple things. I think this new trio has a modern chemistry. And I think of it this way. Look at how I act with my friends in my generation. I probably act a little bit more immature. I'm a little bit more goofy. I like Joel's phrase. I have a little bit more glow. I'm effeminate. <laughs> He's um, got that Disney glow. <laughs> versus, versus watching how our parents acted with their friends. 
I think they're evidence of a new generation taking older. Yeah, my father likes to crack jokes, but my father's not as goofy as I am. I know people are like, oh, we didn't reinvent the wheel. They did the same stuff we did. I'm like, did they? Did they really? <laughs> um, I just think like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher's generation, as Joel said, they were a lot more serious. They were a lot more rough. We're goofy, we're playful, so it's appropriate that the new generation acts goofy and playful. I think both trios work. It just shows this is a past generation, this is a newer generation. And I like that, I think it's cool. Um, and I'm sorry, this is the scene where I apologize, Mary. Um, you, you deserved better, uh, Mary Green. Uh, your line <laughs> pisses me off. Dark science, cloning, secrets, only the Sith knew? This line confirms that I knew from the Legends material um, what was going on, but it tells the average person viewing, it's a MacGuffin. We're just going <laughs> to explain it away in one line. I hate explaining a ton of needed information in one freaking line. It drives me nuts. Not a MacGuffin. I understand why writers and producers <laughs> love it. I get it. I just personally freaking hate it. It was the first time I was angry at the whole film, and Mary, Mary, you deserved better. You deserve the Pippin treatment. <laughs> <laughs> Fool of a took. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if only the Sith knew, how the hell does he know then? Because he's secretly a Sith. Him and See, Jar Jar, him and Jar Jar, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Poe has a point, and I can't be mad at his perception that Ray is the best fighter and she's not out there fighting. I mean, if you got the best weapon, you, you send it out. For six movies, the Millennium Falcon has been through the ringer. Seeing it on fire just makes me believe this will be its swan song. I expect it to sacrifice itself for the resistance. It's time. That would have been cool. Yeah. And the final order, it's a little on the nose with the Nazi imagery, JJ. <laughs> Lucas was a little more subtle, a little more. Uh, would it be the final? Was he, was he really? Well, he, he, the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be the final order? I mean, once he takes over the galaxy, I'm sure there's gonna be plenty more orders, right? No, the final order is do what the hell I say and don't question me. The end. <laughs> he must be a teacher. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, that works so well. <laughs> the, <laughs> the resistance will need to get to Exegol and destroy the fleet before it is released. But C-3PO explains that there are no maps leading there. Rey remembers something she read in the Jedi text from Octo that Luke had gone on a failed search for a Sith Wi-Fi. Oh, great. So now he's a failure too. The only other one in existence. Sometime before his self-imposed exile. All that is known is that the Wayfinder is somewhere on the desert planet Pasana. Leia agrees to send Rey there and meet with a contact of hers. Finn, Poe, Chewie, 3PO, and BB-8, because R2 can't come along for the party anymore, insist on coming along. The heroes say their goodbyes, Finn to Rose Tico, 3PO to R2-D2, and Rey to Leia before departing in the Falcon. Why didn't R2 go? That's a great question. <laughs> he had to stay he's back, got... right? Didn't he have to stay back because he's the computer that could only figure out something? I don't remember. JC? He's also, he's not going to leave Leia. At this point, like, R2-D2 has a personality. I don't see him leaving Leia. I mean, logistically, they couldn't do it because it's not his movie. It's supposed to be BB-8's movie. But I also like the idea of R2 staying with The Last Skywalker, which at this point is only Carrie Fisher. And so, yeah, R2-D2 is going to stay with her. He's not going to leave her. Well, Plus, he has, to do his he has to do the sad beeps when she dies. Oops, spoiler alert. Yeah, true. But I mean, how cool would it have been like if, okay, R2 and BB-8 go out 
and you see them do like their own like little fighting thing. I mean, that would like, be cool. But then, could you imagine logistically having to get the R two D toy? r2d2 droid to work the bb8 droid to work and then the do droid to work that i would have felt bad for the production guys trying to get all three of those droids to work together in the same scene well we don't really need the do droid do we no oh, i love the do droid oh you guys are <laughs> you guys are mean people he probably bought it <laughs> did you buy it of course i did <laughs> no no it's jc a, i'm with you in the boys room no, yeah, I'm with you. You're pulling it up? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to him later. Uh, so Rose Tico is here, and uh, we're leaving her here. Got it. <laughs> Lazy way to write her out of the story, but I honestly don't know how to handle this any better. Plus, why couldn't she come? She should be your Lando in this movie, the fourth member, the Ringo. But, no. No, like, Ringo what, Star. What skill does she have that she's a ringer? Ringo Star, the drummer. Oh, yeah, but wasn't George the fourth one? Everybody knows who Ringo Star was. He would have been the primary three. George Harrison would have been like the leftover. No, he, George, no. no. What? No. I see why you would think the, that. But... And this is, you know what? He also has Dio. He also has... <laughs> I got your back, I mean, JC. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's hairy, but thank you. <laughs> There's a Wayfinder somewhere on a planet. How do they know exactly where? Planets are big. Also, are Wayfinders common enough that they know how to use it when they got it? Well, hold on. We're, 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 we're assuming that the people looking for it are idiots. I think, and this is partly my problem too. Like I want backstory, I want information. But if Kylo Ren is going on a purge to look for this thing, he probably knows everything there is to know about the thing, how to turn it on, how to find it, what it does, all of that. Luke clearly was taking notes because we see it in the book later. So he also knows everything, which means we can MacGuffin in that Ray knows everything. So I get that. I understand all that. But can we just agree it isn't a stupid Wayfinder? It's a flipping Sith holocron. It's a pyramid. Thank you. Just like in Rebels. It's a flipping pyramid holocron. So it's a Sith holocron. It's not a flipping Wayfinder. They Some called it a holocron in, in Rebels. Why can't they call it one here? That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It's not my fault that Paul Tagliabue and weird Chris Carey, the other writers, hadn't Paul, watched Rebels before. Paul, Paul Tagliabue? The NFL know, former I commissioner? I, could, I couldn't remember the writer's name, so I just <laughs> in my head. So I'm just going to blindly accuse other names. I yes. <laughs> That's because there were too many writers. And Joe, how many times have we done these movies when... There are multiple writers. It's there's too many minds trying to do one thing. And too many cooks right. in the kitchen. Out of all those writers, none of them watched any of the other stuff, <laughs> Rebels or any or Clone Wars to, to link some of those things in. Yeah, it's and, a it's a damn holocron. Honestly, it's, when she, um, go ahead, Jason. why Solo is great. We don't need to listen to all other minds. Solo is fantastic. Only one mind needs to tell you that. Honestly, when she said her contact was on Pasana. I thought it would be Bail Organa and that he had not been on the planet Alderaan when it exploded. Oh, that would have been cool, but that would have made, like, that would have ruined so much because where was he during Leia's entire life? If they would have, I would have raged. I would have been so angry Okay. for him not to show up. For, no, they that would have been sacrilegious. Okay, well, I, that makes sense. E I agree. Even when you read, 
even even when you read Leia's comics, I mean, Leia's comic book storyline is entirely about her dealing with Alderaan being gone. And then for Bail Organa to just show up, that would be a kick to the nuts, a pinch to the nipples and all of that for pain um, for anything that people went through. That's just, that's not nice. All right. Bad well. Disney. Having repaired his damaged helmet, Kylo Ren convenes a meeting for the fir- of the First Order Council. He informs his generals that there is a spy in the midst. Generals Hux and Pride stare at each other accusingly. One general expresses skepticism about Palpatine's true intentions about behind helping them, but Kylo force chokes him and levitates his body aggressively to the ceiling. He then prepares to hunt down Rey with his Knights of Ren. I feel like I've seen this scene before. Wasn't this in episode four when his faith was a challenged? Yep. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's it's a straight steal, but I'm okay with it. It's a total straight steal, but I'm okay with it. Kylo Ren is Invitation a... Invitation is the greatest form of flattery. It's also a form of laziness. <laughs> hey, I didn't get this big on my own. I worked hard at being this big to be this lazy. Kylo Ren is a badass in this scene. Seeing him flanked by the Knights of Ren, I truly believe they can do some damage. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. It's finally good to actually see the Knights of Ren. They've always talked about it in previous movies, but you never knew who these, uh, you know, what they were, where they came from. But granted, you didn't need to know that backstory. They were on screen just enough. I think J- enough. I think if JJ had done episode eight, you would have seen the Knights of Ren in it. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, General Pride, new guy, and I feel like he should be have been established in a previous movie. Hux is still a weasel. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I just don't know why. I mean, really, they could have General Pride. That sounds like a very positive last name. They could have twisted into General. How oh, about Pride is a else. sin, Steve? Pride is a sin. Okay, oh, I just got that. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's fantastic. General he's Happy also, Times. <laughs> well, he's he's also very arrogant. Well done. I didn't catch that. I didn't clue into that. It's spring break. I'm not thinking. The Falcon lands on Pusana. Pasana. Pusana. Pusana. <laughs> and the crew arrive at a vibrant festival. Ray is asked her is asked her name by one of the natives, and she replies that she's just Ray. Kylo then reaches out to Ray via the forest and figures out where she is taking the necklace she was given by the natives of Pasana. Ray warns her friends that the first order is coming. So the festival happens every 42 years. Little wink regarding how long ago the original Star Wars came out. And everyone looking at 3PO after he says it, a little too meta, but pull back, JJ, JJ, pull back. Okay, so how do you feel about this new force power that you can transmit items through the force now? I think it's something that's new and I absolutely love it. It's, I like it because it establishes how powerful she is becoming with her training. It's just that next evolutionary skill that we haven't seen before. Plus it also does, I mean, it's got to foreshadow a little bit that what happens later on in the movie. What do you think, Joe? I, I hate this. I don't, I, (laughs) I don't like you're in the final movie. Stop making up and just go with the last eight fucking movies that we know the force can do. Why are you, oh, look at the new You have plenty of things you can do with the force. Why put this in there? And the reason I think that they did it is because Ryan Johnson established in episode eight that they have this little force 
boom tube that they talk through. Uh, and so this is the next step in that evolution. He tried to take what Ryan Johnson did and he tried to run with it. And it just seems like, you know, if you're going to kill the past, the force was already strong enough. We saw in episodes one through three, legions of Jedi, none of them use this f-ing skill. Why now that this scavenger can do it? No, Joe, well, I, part of me is very much with you because if you like go back to, <laughs> go, I'm sure if you go back to old, old podcasts, went back when I was like, I'm just not into Marvel mm. because after a while they just add whatever they want in to push through whatever finale they want to meet. Yes. And, but that was early when I was like watching X-Men and I got like super invested. I think it was X-Men. Yeah. When you watched X-Men, it was like character died. And I was like, Oh, that was really emotional. And then they were like, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We, there, we can bring people back from the dead now. And, so I, you. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. So at no point in any of these movies in the future, am I going to get any type of invested? Cause I know that they can just press a button yeah. and bring some, like pull someone back from the dead. So I'm in this, I'm like, okay, you didn't, come on. We, we haven't talked about this specific power. And did it really, no, never mind. I will save that for later. But no, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. JC? So as far as the scene, I absolutely love the scene. I loved the music. I love the beauty of it. Um, it did remind me of the Ewoks, but then I liked the Ewoks because I am one just like a Mahabit. Um, <laughs> and they were, they were fantastic. I, I thought it was fantastic practical effects too. Alright, and I I had a feeling Joe was gonna hate this stuff. Uh-oh. Is the power technically new? Joe Joe's frustration is we haven't seen it for the first eight films, so how dare they introduce new things? Okay. If you if you follow the pre-established Apology accepted. <laughs> so far we've seen older Jedi that aren't really fighting anything and we've seen young jedi that don't know anything if you think about the original trilogy and then when you go into the prequel trilogy why do we not see this there's a couple reasons it is established towards the end of the movie that ben solo and ray palpatine are connected they're part of this thing known as the triad and because they come from two such powerful force families they have this connection a dyad now Dyad, right? Dyad. Sorry, dyad, not triad. Another made-up thing. Because it's two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, made-up thing, but I like it. Again, I think it's cool. I think it, it fills a plot hole because we have had it established throughout Star Wars canon that if you have power in the Force, you can talk to people. You can talk to Force ghosts. You can hear people that are long dead. You can talk to people that are still alive and across the galaxy. That has been established everywhere. The only change that has really taken place between these two is they've added a physical ability to it. We never saw Luke look at the books. We never saw Palpatine with all of his research and his backstory because maybe he was already doing his manipulations. Never, Maybe he never needed to physically move something. Are they showing new powers or showing new stuff because they've showed, hey, Ray has these books. Ray is clearly diving into these Jedi books, even though 
uh, Luke sort of passes off, oh, there's nothing new to learn in those old books. Well, maybe there's not because Luke already knows how to move things physically through the Force. We've never needed to see him do that. Is Luke able to physically move things through the Force? And we've seen it because he did it with the dice. Was that the dice trick that he did? Um, before. I don't know. I, That's I don't a good point. It, I didn't think about that. She is holding the dice, which means that there had to been weight to it. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I, I don't not necessarily want to be like, stop making new stuff. I'm like, no, make new stuff. Because if all we saw is what Luke did, then all we've seen is a very, very small smidge of what the Force can do. And if the Force is this thing that controls everything in the galaxy, I hope to God there's more powers than what we've seen. I love the fact that they introduced the healing power that we hadn't seen before. I love the fact that they introduced this. I love the fact that they keep adding more to sort of point out there is nothing stronger than the Force. I, yeah, I just, I, I, I think it's fantastic. And what would be even cooler? What if Luke never showed her this new power? What if she actually learned it from Leia? Because like, that would be even cooler. Maybe it's like battle meditation where like some people are stronger in it than others. So I don't know. I, I think it was, I think it was really cool. I want to go with the fact that she did learn that from Leia, but, you know, going on this, oh, don't give new powers crap, you know? <laughs> you know <laughs> didn't Luke uh, project himself to Kylo and have an all-out battle with that? And no, he, he never he, touched he, Kylo. He, he never touched, he made, never made contact with him. He could, was just a vision that was on the field. That was it. Yeah, listen, Stephen, my defense, was- my brain is very small, and there's only <laughs> so many new things I can <laughs> I had to Google Knights of Ren a second ago, so let's <laughs> let's take my takes with a grain of salt. I thought it was a weekend at Cedar Point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come to the Knights of Ren. <laughs> well, in response to everyone mocking me. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about exactly. a great many things. Uh, moving on. The group is then met by Leia's contact, who turns out to be none other than Lando Calrissian. He reveals that many years ago, he accompanied Luke on a mission to track down a man named Ochi, who may have had information regarding the location of the second Wayfinder. They found Ochi's ship abandoned in the desert, where it remains to this day, and Lando chose to remain on Pasana. He gives the heroes directions to where Ochi's ship lies. Lando, welcome back, you old pirate. Give my regards to the princess. You old smoothie. Yeah, at least someone got the line right in this, in this <laughs> scene. I have a bad feeling about this. I'm glad someone got it right. <laughs> he does say that, yeah, because he didn't say it in Solo, did they? No, because they had a good feeling about that movie. <laughs> it was a great movie. It's fantastic. Okay, so Luke knew where to look then, right? I was just going to say, or he was like following the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Again, this refers back to something earlier. Our technology is light years behind <laughs> everything that happens in this movie a long, long time ago. Like, if I wanted to record, if I were going to say I'm going to go on a swim on my Apple Watch, it would take me at least a minute and a half to find the right app. Lando just slaps his wrist in this 3D projection PowerPoint of this highly classified thing. Comes up. Two taps. So... <laughs> I got I got really mm-hmm. sidetracked by how un- unrealistic, well maybe not unrealistically, it was a long time ago, but ridiculously advanced their technology is. JC, well, is 
is it necessarily unrealistic? Because if he had gone with Luke before, maybe they already had it. So he only had to do two taps because he know, knows exactly where he saved it in the correct folder because he's had like 43 years to organize his smartwatch. Because my big thing was I liked the nod that they were working together. Um, though, did Lando apparently know where Luke was? Obviously, if he went with him. Or else did this whole trek for Exegol happen before Ben Solo killed everybody? Otherwise, okay, that Lando doesn't know where Luke is. But if that's the case, then Lando's been in the desert for a long time, which would uh, help Joel with understanding his organization system. Because on a tiny little watch, it's going to take a long time to move everything into the same folder <laughs> and, like, organize it. So after 43 years, he's able to just double tap and know exactly where he saved that file. <laughs> he's using Windows 3000. Yeah, how many chargers <laughs> do they have for that watch in the desert? That's true. He he probably had to have a lot of chargers. Probably solar started. power. Probably start to... so, so, solar power doesn't work in the desert. No. First order stormtroopers arrive, <laughs> forcing the heroes to flee through the desert. We get an action scene. It kind of reminded me of the pod racing in Tatooine. Yeah, it was really cool. This was a fun scene to watch. Um, everyone had a role to play, even the annoying C-3PO. Um, I'm convinced that <laughs> Poe can drive anything with an engine on it. Well, so and can I'm Ray. Almost, I'm, I'm bold to say that he is the best pilot in the entire saga. Well, remember, Ray can fly anything also. That, but I do like that he can drive anything. I, 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 it is impressive. But I think Han could drive anything, too. Yeah, I put them both on par. I don't know. I just give the edge to him. just Because you've never seen – we, we haven't seen Han, like, drive, like, one of those little speeders. Like, put on, like, you know – they kind of went little Tokyo drift on it, spun the guy around, you know, new one to hit the accelerator all at the same time. No, we saw that in Solo, a Star Wars story at the beginning. The opening scene of Solo. The opening scene of Solo, we see how good a driver he is. I have to agree with JC on this one, Steve. He turned the speeder on its side and went through two buildings. How do you get better than that? I'll take my drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse with like no, technology, beat, but this was this was like my brain progression. I think that like the Apple Watch got me like more curious, and this one kind of like this scene specifically set me over the edge in thinking about how much money the order or whatever has spent on this like giant fleet for the Emperor. How much? I mean, more clones. They now have jetpacks on their back. They've got ships. They know how to do all this stuff. None of them can hit a single target. <laughs> you would think that during this time where all of the engineers, whether they were on the Death Star or this new colony, while the, while the engineers were working on the smart stuff, there would be one place on the ship for the stormtroopers to sh practice their shooting. Just the they target practice. garbage marksmen. <laughs> Although the one that flies takes out both of their little speeders. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that that, that one's fair. Um, I guess there's one in every crowd. But I don't... The flying counteracts how really bad they are, because normally when you go in the air, you lose accuracy. Maybe stormtroopers gain accuracy when they go in the air. Maybe. Like they're like, they're like oh, this is what we've been doing all along. Yeah. I mean, like over the, <laughs> over the snow day, I played JC's Halo, Halo 2, the updated one. And it's like, even if you have a needler, it's like, I may not kill the what I'm against, but I'm going to at least hit it once. Like, it just at one point during nine movies, I would like for one person to be like, ah, 
They got my arm, guys. <laughs> like, that stinks. Poe gets Let's, hit. Okay. <laughs> Poe gets shot in this movie. It happened in this movie. What Joel wanted happened in this movie. Sorry. It was a, well, I'm saying, from, did he get shot yet at this point in the Not movie? Yet. Okay. So the, I was oh, typing sorry. my thoughts as I was watching. <laughs> I'm, so, I have, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're just good. a spoiler rich podcast. <laughs> but no. I was, just was like, it a direct shot or was it like probably a ricochet? <laughs> just <laughs> keep disparaging them <laughs> I, I like i like to point about the technology because let's be honest if they have this much money and this much tech can't they do like auto aim by this point like take the human element right. out of it shouldn't the gun just have like hey i mean heck fifth element did that i'm gonna point it at you but all the bullets are gonna go behind me and hit my target well as we saw from the prequels the droids couldn't aim either so their aiming systems aren't that great either Sounds like a leadership and yet they issue. Make giant weapons that fire once uh, with shitty aim. It's a pretty big target. It's a planet. <laughs> Maybe that's the only thing. That's they the, can only hit. Thing. <laughs> the only thing. The only thing they can hit is something the size of a planet. Joe's cojones. <laughs> How have you seen those? Okay, the group ends up sinking through quicksand and finds themselves in an underground cave where they discover Ochi's remains. Well, that's coincidental. Next, next to him is a dagger that 3PO realizes has an inscription written in the ancient language of the Sith. Unfortunately, his programming forbids him from translating it, much to Poe's frustration. They are then attacked by a giant creature which Ray realizes is injured and heals with the Force and Qui-Gon Jinn says, what the shit? The creature tunnels an escape route for them out of gratitude. Okay, so the reason why Luke couldn't find the knife with the Sith language is because he wasn't pursued by stormtroopers to this exact spot under the quicksand. Fair? MacGuffin. MacGuffin. Or the Force. <laughs> the Force is the MacGuffin. <gasps> nah, that, that moves into something I'm gonna say later. Force healing, another new power. This is a great video game force power that translates well to the movies. Ugh. It's fantastic. <laughs> but, I loved it. But think of how many different ways it could have been used in episode one, two, or three. This is and the evolution have, of the force. When would he have learned it? When would, when would, oh, in one, two, or three. Obi-Wan could have done it to Qui-Gon to save Qui-Gon's life. He was killed the same way. Ah, uh, but he was a Padawan. Maybe he hadn't learned that, that ability yet. Ah, but he was a master by the end. No, he wasn't. He still had his-, his He's a teacher. Thing. He's teaching at that point. You don't magically become a master when you first become a teacher. The first day I was teaching, are you really gonna say I was a master, Joe? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say yes to this. <laughs> exactly, see? I've been doing it for 13 years. I'm still not a master. See, I have been out of practice with the JC. I can't battle him on half of these arguments. No, he's only getting stronger with the new teachers. <laughs> <laughs> they entertain, and uh, it's not good for the veterans. Uh, seriously, 3PO, just once, I wish your ability to communicate would actually help move the plot along. I hate 3PO so much. I hate quicksand. <laughs> I noticed you didn't mention me, sir. I won't take that personally. <laughs> yeah, he was just that kind of little annoying thing in the background. But you know what? That's 3PO, you know? Yeah, um, and how'd you feel about Finn, Steve? Dude, okay, this was... Uh, <laughs> I never told you, Ray. Uh, what the hell? 
I mean, this is just a big fanboy dick tease. This yeah. is all this was. That was never addressed ever again. Right. And the line that is stolen from the season finale of every primetime sitcom. <laughs> Or, or it is just the thought of every teenage boy that had a crush on Ray, just like I was a teenage boy that had a crush on Carrie. Sometimes the writers got to call it how it is. We think with our penises. I knew it. Oh, you did not. Yeah, those same writers had her kissing her brother, so. Hey, I'm not saying people don't have weird fetishes, but I'm not one to judge. Outside, they find Ochi's <laughs> ship. <laughs> but Ray senses that Kylo is near and goes to hold him off so her friends have time to escape. She damages Kylo's TIE fighter, but Chewie is captured by the Knights of Ren along with the dagger and placed on a First Order transport ship. Ray tries to pull the transport towards her with the Force, but Kylo attempts to do the same. Eventually, a burst of Force lightning unexpectedly shoots from Ray's hand, destroying the transport. Ray is devastated that she has seemingly killed Chewie, but escapes in Ochi's ship with her friends while Kylo and his troops steal the Falcon. The shot where she flips over the TIE fighter, that whole run up and execution I thought was shot and edited awesome. Great camera angles, great sound design. I can totally see why they use this in the original teaser trailer, Steve. Yeah, I think this just, again, showed her how evolved she is with using the force and how much her training has drastically changed since The Last Jedi. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she's able to do all the timing right, I mean, obviously, I, you got to assume that she's using the Force to do all this stuff as well. Um, and she takes down a ship. It's pretty know? cool. Uh, Chewie's captured. Who was in charge of watching the dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. We get, we get Kylo and Rey Force pulling the ship. And... I understand why Ray is pulling it down, but why is Kylo? Doesn't he want it to get away? It's just, just doing this to piss her off. <laughs> That's how I took it. If your arch nemesis, you know, judging by, from, from Kylo's point of view, is doing something for gain, wouldn't you just want to spoil it just because? <laughs> and that's exactly what he does. Cause he kind of, he's, she's like, obviously, putting a lot of concentration there because when you vibrate your hand, you know, that means that you're doing something with ultimate concentration, you know, like shaking it. Um, and then he just kind of walks up there and sticks his hand up as well. It's just like, he doesn't need to do that. He can probably easily just kind of go over there and do something else. But you know what? She's just going to piss her off just a little bit more. That's exactly what he was doing. You think he was just being a dick? He's just being a dick. <laughs> Uh, and I, I mean, this was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I love seeing how much more powerful these two are becoming over the course of these three movies. Probably more so with Ray, because um, I, I think Kylo might have just peaked in his power um, the last movie when he finally became Supreme Chancellor. So, yeah. Yeah, because we never scene. saw Kylo. We never saw Kylo do the Force Lightning. Oh, he's not a Palpatine. Ah. Uh... Got to be one of those. Spoiler, to do it. Even though Dooku, alert, Dooku yeah. used it in episode two. Well, he was under freaking Palpatine. <laughs> but he's not a Palpatine. No, but he was under him. That's like the next best thing. <laughs> uh, the electrical burst from Ray only means one thing in these movies. It means we all know who she is, despite the writers thinking we need to wait an additional hour and 10 minutes to reveal it. Uh, the Emperor has the Falcon. 
Han Solo would be so pissed. He just got the Falcon back for God's sakes. Not only does this kid kill him, but now he takes the car out for a joyride. All right, so there's a lot going on here. First <laughs> off, Steve is right because just because you don't know the power, it all comes from whether your teacher teaches it to you or not. I think Joe keeps hanging up on this like, well, everybody should know what to do. All Jedis don't know all powers. All Siths don't know all powers. Um, Dooku was able to do the lightning because Palpatine decided to teach him. If Palpatine didn't want to teach him, he was like Dooku wasn't going to make Palpatine do anything. Um, maybe Kylo Ren never learned it, or maybe it is trying to separate the Palpatine from the Skywalkers. That's not as big a deal for me. Um, this scene with Chewie, though, hit me like a ton of bricks the first time I saw it. Um, it was so much drama. And I was legit like, wow, they're going to kill everyone from the original trilogy. <laughs> like, they're all done. They're all dead. And um, I genuinely felt the emotions. Um, so that was just like, wow, like, well done. Like, that was that was a well done emotionally built scene. I actually wish they would have, like, held on to that emotion more than, like, two beats later we find out that he's fine. Um, so that was a bit of a letdown. But the the very first time I saw it in the theater, I just felt such, like, holy cow, they just killed him, and there's still, like, an hour and a half left of this movie. <laughs> WTF. Um, but I also, I did like your line about taking the car out for a spin. I think that's probably why Han Solo came back. He was so pissed about Kylo taking the Falcon. Yeah, that was, that's why he came back. That's the only reason Han decided to become a force ghost was because Ben took the stupid Falcon. Finn confronts Rey on the ship as she is still heartbroken over Chewie. 3PO reveals that he committed the dagger's inscription to his memory, and the group figures out that if they could bypass 3PO's programming, uh, he could translate it for them. Poe says he knows a black market droid smith on the planet, Kimi... Kim... I for... Kimiji, right? Kimchi. <laughs> Isn't it... Kimiji. Kimiji. Is it Kimiji? Kim... Kim... How did he say it? Kimchi. It's a fermented, Nor awful smell. No... North, North is Korea, E.G. North so, Korea, is it, hot, is it a highway in British Columbia? <laughs> <laughs> it's so, Mount Fuji's younger brother. They're going oh, to this planet because apparently some droid guy that can fix it. Meanwhile, BB-8 befriends another little droid. They're like Russian dolls at this Yo! point. Yo! <laughs> uh, 3PO acting as a computer would do this. And okay, this makes up for earlier. The hard drive has been written but we can't get past the firewall. I can buy that. I know, I forgot who it was, but somebody on this show likes it when computers act like computers. Steve, it might've been you when we were talking about Iron Man 3 and Jarvis was doing all of his stuff and you were like, computers should just act like computers. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was me. It was a little too uh, humanistic, but I guess Jarvis, I don't know. I guess I guess he's just a different entity because he's- uh, Vision. He, he evolves, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I, you really haven't seen 3PO evolve as a computer, you know, he hasn't had his, uh, you know, Windows 10 update yet. <laughs> Wait, so Joe, are you arguing that droids like R2-D2 and BB-8 and even Dio, they don't show emotions? I didn't say that at all. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so BB-8 meets Dio, another droid who will be rendered pointless in this movie. It was not hmm? pointless. What he did he do in this movie? He confirmed that they were able to find the thing that they were finding. He was another MacGuffin. And who doesn't like the MacGuffin? <laughs> and he was cute. 
and he showed that droids can be mistreated and we should be nice to everyone. It's a nice lesson for the kids. This the bottom three droid. The, oh, shoot. <laughs> Them be fighting words. <laughs> uh, this galaxy sucks if the only person who can bypass the programming is on a remote planet. Can you imagine if your computer stopped working and you had to travel to Antarctica because the only person who could get it to work lived there? You would think it would be in a world filled with droids. There'd be a droid hacker every hundred feet. If I didn't okay. need that computer, I would just buy a new one. If I absolutely needed that computer, hopefully I have somebody with a ship and then keep, keep, and they can get me to Antarctica. Just hit the nearest Jawa store and grab yourself another protocol droid. Uh, yeah, I'd replace C-3PO. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, group land, the group lands on kimchi. <laughs> and encounter a spice runner named Zori Bliss, who is revealed to be an old, flan, uh, old friend and possibly ex-lover of Poe's. We're a spice runner? Possibly. Stormtrooper? The sexual innuendo is there, man. We're a spice runner? You were a stormtrooper? Were you a spice runner? Were you a scavenger? We could do this all night. Uh, Frick. So Zori brings them to Babo, Babu Frick, the droid Smith Poe mentioned. Frick says he can bypass 3PO's programming, but in doing so, he will have to wipe the droid's memory. Despite this, 3PO insists on going ahead with it anyway, prepared to sacrifice his memory for the good of the Resistance's cause. Frick hacks into 3PO's memory, and he translates the inscription, revealing that the other Wayfinder is on the remains of the second Death Star. 3PO then reboots, having lost all his memories. Zori gives Poe a First Order Captain's Medallion to help them get through the First Order's security. Zori Bliss, new character, and I like this character. She feels like she would be someone in The Mandalorian. Yeah, and people uh, forget that Babu Frick... The voice of Moaning Myrtle in all the Harry Potter movies. Oh! Oh, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and ba Babu Frick is a pre-Baby Yoda. Yeah, he was great. Everybody yeah. thought Babu Frick was adorable. Then they saw Baby Yoda, and they were like, oh, shit, Babu Frick, he looks like a booger. I want Yoda. <laughs> Babu Frick looks like he just uh, has, like, he drinks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's just go with it. Well, John Williams is serving him drinks. Let, yeah, let's be true. honest. You would want to party with Babu Frick. You just want to cuddle with Baby Yoda, but you'd party with Bobby Frick. Yeah. <laughs> you'd hang out with Bob. Bobby Frick's got some stories. John Williams makes a Stan Lee appearance in this movie, shows up as the bartender in the in the place. So he's serving drinks to Babu Frick. Probably provides the music, too. That's the bar to be at. I don't know if he knows how to write music. No. I do like the fact <laughs> that, and I, this is a, a little-known fact about John Williams' appearance in this as the bartender, all of the pieces that are behind John Williams in this movie, when they show all the trinkets behind him, they all reference a movie that he has scored. Exactly. I think I remember you telling me this story, and then when he finally like walks on set and sees all this, he just kind of is a little overcome with emotion or oh, something yeah. like that. You're like, this is the um, thing from Jaws. See that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so it cool. It gives him the feels, man, the feels. Well, what a great way to honor the guy. I mean, they never did that for Stan Lee. They just said, hey, show up and say a line that's funny and move on. Well, I'm sure they did it 23 it. times. <laughs> I'm also sure he got paid. He probably did. And then he, I, think, and then he also... I think being paid is, is being honored. Uh, that's how I like to be honored. People honored. are always like, oh, let's honor the teachers. All right, give me more money. Don't give me a certificate. Don't give me, <laughs> give me money. That's you, how I feel hey, honored. You want money? Teachers got to shut up and stop saying things like, we do it for the change, not the money. No, f that. We what do it for the I money. I never said that. 
When have I ever seen Every that? meme on Facebook from a teacher says that shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't send those memes. Off my rant. The annoying memes and piss off my friends. <laughs> <laughs> C-3PO saying goodbye to everyone made me melt. If it was me, I would have written it where they could get C-3PO to translate the Sith language, but only for a short time period before he shut down completely and forever. That makes the sacrifice a true sacrifice. I would have loved it that they forced him to reveal it and then his head exploded after he said the last one. <laughs> Boy, you really don't like 3PO. <laughs> I loved 3PO until I found out Anthony Daniels was a jackass. Now that I know he was a jackass, <laughs> I want, like, C-3PO deserved better. Ah, uh, you're applying the, the Michael Jackson rules of enjoying a character. Yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> I can't separate the actor from the character. Gotcha. I know that's my own issue. I totally own it's my own issue. But, yes. Kind of like Tom Cruise. Daniels. Yes, exactly. <laughs> His characters are fantastic, but Tom Cruise is an asshole. Or Jamie Foxx for him. Yeah, well, no, I don't yeah. think I've thought about this a lot from past podcasts. I, I've been unfair to Jamie Foxx. Um, it's not that I think He's that he, growth, whereas I don't. No, no, it took me a long time to figure out the language behind it. It's not, and I think I said it on another podcast. It's like it's not that I don't think he's a good person. He's incredibly talented. Like the more that he's signing up for, like I'm in, so excited for the Tyson movie. Okay. It's just that he has a face that I cannot separate from Jamie Foxx. Okay. Every, like, I watch Django, I'm like, Jamie Foxx is murdering all these people. It's awesome. Watch Ray, it's like, Jamie Foxx is great at piano. Like, I cannot buy into him as the character. I just see, like, wow, look at how good Jamie Foxx is. <laughs> Fair enough. And it, help, some- it hurts buying into the movie if you can't, like, separate the person from their character. Yeah, right. It's yeah. Or you just want to watch their golden head explode after they say an incredibly dark language. <laughs> the first order arrives on Kimchi, having tracked the group there. Ray senses that Chewie is alive on their ship and realizes he must have been on a different transport to the one that she destroyed. The heroes agree to use the medallion to get on board the ship and rescue Chewie and the Falcon. Anyone else feel like Kylo Ren and Ray are really just playing a game of force hide and seek? Yeah, essentially. That, I laughed out loud when I saw you. I'm like, that's funny. That's really funny. I never thought of that. Now I want to rewatch it after reading that. That made me snort water. I was laughing. Uh, the security protocols for the Empire are ridiculous. Also funny. Knock yeah. on a door. Locked. Move on. You know? yeah. And, yeah, and go back and watch this scene. Boyega's way of securing the perimeter is hilarious. He's only got one hand on his blaster. The other one is like straight by his side. It's like when you watch like your toddler run around with like a candy cane at Christmas, <laughs> pretending it's a gun. He like, I mean, if his heavy footsteps don't give away their location, like they're gonna see the gun two seconds, three feet before he actually arrives. It's like an Austin Powers-esque. Yeah, wasn't he a stormtrooper? <laughs> you would think. But then again, going back to the stormtroopers, have terrible shots and get killed often. There we go. On board the ship, the group is separated. Finn and Poe are captured alongside Chewie. Ray comes across the Sith dagger and touches it, experiencing a vision that reveals Ochi killed her parents. It seems that he had been sent after her and her parents sold her to keep their daughter safe. Kylo senses that Ray is on board the ship. I see you. You're it. We get a little back, more backstory about Ray's parents, but we already knew she's a Palpatine. Just get to it. 
And wait, is this the first time Ray is touching the dagger that she gets this? Because she touched it earlier. She didn't get a a, a, a sense about this thing. No, she did, because when she touches it the first time, she's like, oh, I sense this dagger has done terrible things. But what about and her lightsaber? She... That's done terrible things. Hold on, hold on. Maybe she sensed that, too. She just didn't talk about it. It's killed Man. children. <laughs> it has. It has. And so, remember, hold on. Maybe she did experience that, because when she picks up the lightsaber for the first time, she has that whole vision and everything. Maybe she felt the horror of the of the youngling's deaths, too. It's just when, when she feels it a second time, she may have been stronger, and so she saw even more into it. Again, the longer you do something, the better you come at it, or the better That's you... That's what she said. Uh, exactly. You got to tell yeah. us more about that, JC. Uh, the go better on. you react to it, the well, better that you engage with it. We'll, we'll go with that. Enjoy it. Sounds like you're working The better backwards. that you finesse your way through it, um, the better... That you understand where it's coming from. I think you've got it. Yeah. I think you covered all the bases. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I hit a home run? Sweet. Finn, Poe, and Chewie are about to be executed by the First Order. However, Huck saves them and reveals that he is the spy. He doesn't care whether or not the Resistance wins, but he is sabotaging the First Order's cause out of spite towards Kylo Ren. Okay, so General Hux is the mole. Let's talk about this. Steve, go for it. I hated it. <laughs> Having him yell out, I'm the spy is absolutely terrible. They should have, he should have said something else. You know, that, it was just kind of like, they zoomed in on his face and I'm, I was kind of half expecting like a smart ass remark, but he's just, I am the spy. I'm just like, Ugh. and then how long has he been the mole? Did they ever mention this? No, no. <laughs> just at the beginning, they mentioned it when the Falcon was leaving, that there's a, mo there's a spy in the first, first order. And that was it. Never episode seven, never episode eight. It's like on set. They were like, you know what? Improvise. Yeah. Like you're the spy. <laughs> you are the ones who are the ball lickers. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No one yeah. knows it yet. So I don't know. Follow your heart. See what, see what you got inside there. This, this was an improv scene. Yeah, I, I hated I hated this scene. This scene bugged me so much. I mean, I hated Hux, but I was supposed to hate Hux because he was a slimy weasel, all of that. But because I hated Hux, I also hated what they did to him. Like, he deserved a better thing. I thought they had set him up in um, episode eight to kind of be the anti-Kylo Ren. I kind of saw those two going against each other. And uh, in the books, in the backstory that he has with his father, Hux, like he is brought up to love the first order. He would never betray the first order. He wanted power. He would be slimy. He would be weaselly. He would do everything he could to get power. To be the mole is literally <laughs> the opposite of like, like everything that character is built on. This is the one thing that I was literally like, WTF, like this also is evidence that like, I don't think the writers know their own material sometime because like, this is established in other canon, in yeah. in uh, Phasma's book, in the comics. Like we know that Hux is a weasel, but he's a power-driven weasel, not a hey, I'm gonna join the rebels because I hate Red. No, he would have destroyed <laughs> Red by undermining him. This was this was absolute shit. Like yeah. this this pissed me off. Yeah, you know who would have done a great job with this scene? Like Steve Carell. If like where he's like mm, I'm the spy. Oh. Yeah. oh, that feels so good. Feels so good to get it off my chest. I've <laughs> that's guys, what she said. Guys, 
<laughs> hand up. I know I've been super fair to you, but I mean, it's an oh, act. That would have been a great cameo. That would have been a great cameo. Have have Steve Carell be an officer. Hux and Pride are like having this argument, and then Steve Carell <laughs> just pops out in between them, shouts, "I'm the spy." That's Arms. what she said, yeah, and like, then just like runs arms around both and of is them. Shot in the back. And then Rick Moranis comes out and says, fooled you. <laughs> Would have been fantastic. Would have been better than what they did. Yeah. yeah. And hey, before we move on to the next What did you think scene, of Ray? <laughs> I want to say, I want to point out that this little scavenger queen that lives in a society that trades food stamps for car parts <laughs> hits every single target the first time with this giant crossbow. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. Every single target, first try. It was phenomenal. The, it's the force, man. It's the force. I, I appreciate this viewing that I had because I picked one thing to bother me at the beginning of the movie, and it was just fruitful, fruitful, fruitful. <laughs> so if, if you're unsure about this Apple movie. Apple watches and blasters. Yeah. If, if you are uncertain about this movie. Find your favorite marksman, preferably someone part that was one point part of the NRA, and watch this movie with them, and then just watch them. Because <laughs> I think they'll have a lot to say. Well, well done. <laughs> Kylo arrives to confront Rey, and finally reveals the truth to her. Her father was the son of Palpatine, making her the Emperor's granddaughter. Granddaughter, not granddog. He also reveals that they are connected because they are a dyad in the Force, and once again tries to convince her to join him. Ray refuses and escapes on the Falcon with Finn, Poe, Chewie, 3PO, BB-8, and Dio. Who the hell would f*** the Emperor? I guess there's a niche audience for everything, right? <laughs> JC, <laughs> just say it. Stop typing it. <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to interrupt you. I, 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 I said my line. You. <laughs> Tell us, JC, uh, who, who would be JC? romantically involved with the Emperor? A worshipping fangirl. Let's be honest. Every every despot that has ever lived has had people worship him. Where was Where Stormy Daniels? Storm, Stormtrooper <laughs> Daniel. I mean, that would have been fantastic. Um, this probably I was... It said it was, it was probably during a time when he was his senator days with his uh, little innuendos <laughs> off to the side. That, yeah, probably. Um, I, don't know if you got, I, I don't know if you got to it yet, but I was also going to have a comment for the dyad. I haven't said anything about the dyad yet. That's why I was good. I was typing it, but you yelled at me for typing. Well, <laughs> okay, how bad must it have been to be the emperor's son? And at that, not a worthy heir. Nobody, okay. A dyad. What I'm the fuck is a dyad? Is there a deleted scene of dialogue for those of us who have never heard of this in these movies before? JC. My goodness. It's a dyad. D-I-A-D. Like there's a triad. No, it's D-Y-A-D. That's how it's spelled in this. No, it has to be D-I-A-D. That's the only way that makes sense. No. Here's uh, Joe. I'll answer You're your right, question. Because Star Wars spelling has always made sense. Yeah. We have a planet called Kimchi. Hold on. Hold, hold <laughs> on. Where, where are we getting this spelling from? Are we getting this spelling for Wikipedia? Because no. No, I got oh, from Wikipedia. No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight whoever wrote it on Wikipedia. I think it's D I A D, which is two of something. Dyad. The author of Phage. <laughs> What? I didn't hear what he said. So from the theater, from the company that brought us Phage is going to go to Wikipedia <laughs> and talk about it. Exactly. I can't fight this. 
The dyad. It reminds me of the greatest movie of all time, Rush Hour 2, and the triads. <laughs> or is that See, one? That's triads exactly. Is the first. See, triad three, dyad two. Yeah. Makes perfect no, sense. No, it does make sense. Joe, I do want to go back. I'll, I'll go address your earlier question about <laughs> the father issues of being the emperor's son. Yes, this will be fun to edit. The... <laughs> No, no, it, we'll keep it fluid. Um, <laughs> the just the thought, because I had something written in, it goes better with that question. Right. The daddy issues. One of I feel like if you're this high up, it's like the mafia. If you try to leave, I don't think the son is making it that far, which no. is probably why he landed on dumpster planet, <laughs> sand and dumpsters. Um, cool. The second thing is like comparing it to Empire Strikes Back. The reaction from Ray is so, so much lower than Luke <laughs> yes. Skywalker. Luke Skywalker finds out, no, granted, daddy, daddy issues. He's never met father. Luke's going to have a large reaction. Like, do granddaddy issues exist? That's my question, I think, for the for the group. Do I'm, granddaddy issues exist? I, just, I don't know. I didn't really get to know my grandfathers too much. I'm just, I, that, 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 that's just a great question. I don't know. I, you, you know the daddy issues. Yeah. What are their granddaddy issues? I have no idea. It's almost where like, do those strippers perform? Right. <laughs> well, it's like then that's my thought. It's like if you've like if you had maybe a tough relationship with a grandfather, I can understand that. But to not to have never known your grandfather, yeah, which like many do, it's like, do you care you don't carry that I wouldn't think you would carry that with you forever. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I I wonder if there should have been more of an issue about the fact that it's a palpatine. Like that name should like have a reaction. But like granddaddy issues, but there's no. still no. There no. was like, I feel like there wasn't much of a reaction. Maybe I overlooked no. it, but I feel like no, I agree. She's no. kind of shocked, there, but there she should have been. Go ahead, JC. I was just gonna say there should have been more of a reaction to finding out she's a Palpatine. The I don't think there's a granddaddy issue thing. There should have just been a holy cow Palpatine because everybody in the galaxy knows what Palpatine means. I hope that ev I hope that there's a deleted scene somewhere that's like you owe me twenty seven Christmases. <laughs> you have so much money you have so many ships you have so many followers you couldn't send a card you couldn't Where's offer to pay board? for my tuition i lived you in a sandbox for 30 years and probably what he would send is you get like a 50 dollar imperial bond in the mail. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> This it's is, a this yeah. Is a it's get a get out of jail free card for one time use. It's a it gift. can only be used in this star system. Yeah, and it's not a gift card. It's a certificate. So it's on paper that's been just cut in half. <laughs> like, listen, you could spin this at any of the shops on our ship. <laughs> it's as things good as the, money. Things a dick grandpa would do. <laughs> Gener oh, man, I'm gonna do that when I'm a grandpa. <laughs> Don't tell. <laughs> Like no, he's gonna remember. No, no, when I said it on the podcast, I'll well, JC it said it three times, so you're good. <laughs> oh, <my shit. laughs> God damn it! Yeah, there was a moment where I was like, "Oh, we're saying the name now," but I was like, "I don't want to bring attention to <laughs> the it." The boy, the wife. It's the boy, the wife. Okay. The boy, the wife. Yeah. Uh, General Pride figures out that Hux was a spy and kills him. Palpatine then issues an order to Kimchi to Kim, Kim, oh, to be destroyed Kimchi, by one of his Kimchi. It's not Kimiji. That sounds like Kumite. It's Kimiji. K-I-M-I-J-I. -I, -I, I think it's Kimiji. Kimiji. I like Kimiji better. The First Order is still able to follow the heroes because they scanned the dagger and translated its inscription before they arrived. When did they scan the dagger? 
And, and how are they able to translate it? Did they go to Babu Frick too? I have questions. It's the empire. It's the first order. <laughs> they have more resources than anyone. They can go to anybody. They don't care. They'll just send them a buttload of money and just, hey, translates this. They got resources beyond resources. <laughs> JC. <laughs> Not a McGuff. <laughs> the <laughs> Actually, the knife in this case would be the McGuffin because that's what they're trying. That's get, that's pushing the plot along. They're trying to get to that. I'll sign a one-week contract to come back for a podcast just on MacGuffins. <laughs> can we actually decide? We what can one do is? that. <laughs> uh, the remains of the second Death Star are located on an ocean moon near Endor. There, the group are met by a tribe of ex-stormtroopers led by a young woman named Janna. She and Jin. She, she and Jin. She and Finn bond over having both escaped from the First Order. Okay. We all saw that Death Star blow up into millions and millions of pieces. It didn't blow up into chunks. And I'm going to take a phrase from JC. I'm calling bullshit. If the moon blew up, <laughs> would there not be a lot of large chunks being hurled towards Earth? Yes, but we saw the actual explosion of it, and it was particles. It wasn't the no. whole dish flying off. We saw bright lights. We saw bright lights with Which little we shouldn't have seen. lights. And also, <laughs> also distance. We saw distance. It makes you think it was vaporized, but because of the size and distance of space, what we saw is very, very tiny things on the screen. They have been like a mile across because the flipping Death Star was massive. So you're going to have bigger chunks flying all over the place even though it looked really tiny on the screen and so then yeah you're gonna have big giant chunks flying all over the place it's like space vomit it's gotta go someplace i challenge anyone out there to watch the video from return no, of the jedi when it, it blows up there are no chunks no i'm watching it now it is uh i mean it's <laughs> leaning joe i'll say that <laughs> It's, oh, it's, it's Come on, science teacher. It's it's size and distance. We don't know how big those tiny little things are because we're thousands of. No, miles but the away. dish itself was like twenty percent of the what you see of the Death Star. Right. Um, and it just goes into a bright light. We don't see what happens after the bright light. No, no I mean, I get I get that, and I'm with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's it is us. just he agree with us. No, I like I'm with you all in saying like yes, this will obviously like there are going to be chunks left over. Definitely. Definitely. The percentage of the Death Star that is left over on this planet is not not realistic. It is I actually think there are people that have done the math for it. I mean it is like an eighth of it. <laughs> Again, I think you guys are misrepresenting the size. This thing was massive. Dude, I mean, JC, I'm looking at pictures right now. The framing in the windows are still intact in some of these pictures. Exactly, because it was a big son of a gun. Maybe that window is like 500 feet high. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> okay, so on this planet, you see like what? <laughs> half of the dish area where the uh, yes. mega laser comes out. Okay. And then this falls on a planet. Uh, I feel like I mean, that part that fell out right. onto this planet should be a lot lot bigger than just what we saw on screen. <sighs> the, I, I, I agree with I do agree with that. It should have been bigger than what we see. Yes. Because that's I like a third that. That, that's a third of that entire 
I don't know, maybe not a third, but that was a huge part of the Death Star. And they make it seem like it fit into like this little lake. I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm retracting my words, but at this, I, I, I'm right. not on. So this, I am looking. Second- I am looking at an image of Ray. I'm no, no, no. I'm looking at an image of Ray standing with her lightsaber in front of like the giant window that Darth Vader and the Emperor looked out of. Glass is still intact, and the chair is still in its position. (laughs) His chair is still there. Maybe it was made of vibranium. (laughs) The glass and the chair. I mean, undefeated. Okay, so I'm right. I would. So, this, the the second Death Star, the second Death Star. (laughs) I'm right. (laughs) I mean, it's what happens when you control the sound editing. You can always make yourself appear right. Doesn't mean you actually are right. (laughs) Okay, go on with what you want to (laughs) say. The, so according to Wikipedia, the... <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'll stop. <laughs> Death Star number two was 160 kilometers. How big, how big is 160 kilometers? Somebody convert that to miles. I don't know how big that is because I don't know kilometers. I don't know. It's not the size that counts. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> um, it is 100 miles. It's, it. it's just south of 100 miles. Oh, wow. Then, yeah, there's a big size discrepancy. I thought it was a lot bigger than that. Yeah, that's, a, that's like what a, she said. It's about a two... <laughs> it's like an hour and a half, two-hour drive. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Never mind. <laughs> All right, so this is this is point number three. Writers, read the shit that's come before you. I mean, it's on Wikipedia, for Christ's sake. Okay. Just take a look at the damn thing. <laughs> Uh, speaking of... And then I don't look like a fool trying to defend you, you <laughs> So, Joe, why didn't they go to Endor before? <laughs> yeah, why couldn't we just go to Force? We, I feel like we've gone to planets that are all like ones we've seen before, but we're going to call them something new. We went to Basana, that's Tatooine. We're going to this place, it's Endor. We're, you know... We, why, why are we playing around with new names? This is to build the universe, but then shrink it when we get there. I, I totally agree. Like, how far is this planet from Endor? How far did these chunks blow? It must have been a really big vomit. JC, <laughs> I mean, JC, Steve? Yeah, I mean, they mentioned Endor. So why not go to the forest, man? Nobody, I mean, how many moons does Endor have? You know, then why even mention it at all? I mean, even if we went there, it would just kind of be implied. If there were Death Star parts laying around, that you'd be on Endor. I don't know. They, I don't think they needed to even mention it because, yeah, as soon as you hear Endor, first off, you're thinking that it's not the moon. You actually think that the Ewoks actually live on Endor, not a moon of Endor. But it's <laughs> they should have just showed Wicket walking around. Yeah, uh, as opposed to horses that look like something out space of space ponies. Uh, I like that Finn sees he's not the only stormtrooper to defect, but talk about a wasted character in these three movies. He had so much promise in the first film. I completely understand why Boyega is not happy with these three films. Totally agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. He is now the rose of this movie. 
And another part of this scene, Ray pulls a dagger out and then looks at the dagger like, huh. Now someone remind me, when did she get this? Remind me. I apologize. This was when they were on Pasana. Okay. So she... Pasana? Pasana. So they're looking at this and she's like, you know what would come in handy? This knife I have. And pulls it out. And then now she notices there's a small metal tab. For the first time, it seems, she lifts up this tab. And not only that, it tells her where she needs to go. And she's standing in the exact <laughs> point of the, I don't know, thousand acre countryside that she needed to crash land in. Right. To see exactly where she needed to be. Lined up everything oh, perfectly. How nice was that? This is bad writing. This is bad yeah. writing. This is this is the part of Star Wars when you realize like, oh yeah, I forget part of this movie is directed towards a much younger audience. Yeah, right. But this is also a very brutal movie. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't let my six-year-old watch this. <laughs> wow, way to throw me under the bus. <laughs> wow, Joe. Wow. Because this was the last film coming out, I said to my son, you need to see this in the theater. That needs to be an experience. And my friend, Joe, says, wow, you're a terrible parent. To get your kid well, I didn't say that. I said, I wouldn't. You were, well, you Me, hadn't seen the movie I'm not yet. as good a parent as Joe is. And he had seen the movie because he saw oh. it with us. Well, I was trying to help, but. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear what Joel said. He said, I, you said had, I said, you know, you made that decision before you had seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, here's the thing. Seeing Star Wars in the theater is an event that all kids should be able to experience. I remember seeing yes, Star 100%. Wars that I didn't even enjoy. And I was like, that was the best. Star Wars is a meant to be in seen in theaters experience like avatar and imax yeah star wars is at its best in its natural environment yes agreed jc uh well i think steve had an opinion on uh the whole ray pulling the dagger out well i mean yeah i i totally two million percent agree with joel it's just how the heck did you know to be standing right there at that angle and it lines up perfectly <laughs> and now i want to go back and when she first has the dagger let's see if that little uh swiss army knife tab was sticking out at all and why did she is. at that time it is because i wondered that whenever i watch reruns it's there the little tab is there i mean i've spent less time and i've spent more time in an escape room she's <laughs> like huh <laughs> we've seen everything I I'm going to know to pull this so, out right now. I'm, I'm going to be the writer's apologist again. Since <laughs> Joe thinks it's terrible writing, I'm going to apologize for them again. And this is my answer. The force, question mark, is yeah. Luke guiding her? Like, do we hear Luke? In, like, is she in her head? And, like, did he say? Because let's be honest, when Luke was in the X-Wing, you randomly hear Obi-Wan say, trust the force and all that. Did she magically pull out the dagger because Luke said, hey, idiot, pull out that dagger that's in your pocket. And then she pulls out the dagger and is she right where she needs to be as the original trio was simply to show how powerful the force is in this universe. A lot of things we find annoying and convenient in these movies 
Are they just simply there to double down on there is a force guiding everything? That's why it's so simple. That's why it's so easy to gloss over because no one actually has control. And isn't that ultimately the Jedi teaching? Flow with the force. Go with the force because you don't have control over any of it. Hmm? So you're saying that Jedi's are the ultimate MacGuffin. You can, they yes. can do anything to move it forward. I don't, I don't yes. know if I'm moving it. I don't know if I'm using that even correctly. If that's the case, why bother if you're the Sith? Exactly. Yeah, they shouldn't. They should just let the Jedi win. <laughs> okay. Ray braves her way through the perilous ocean and make her way to the Death Star. She gets the Wayfinder and then has a vision of herself as a Sith. Kylo then arrives and destroys the Wayfinder, meaning Ray can only reach Exegol if she comes with him. Ray becomes angered and they begin a lightsaber duel. For a time, it looks like Kylo is winning, but Leia senses the duel back on Agen Kloss. I do like her climbing through the debris. It's reminiscent of her doing it on Jakku. Uh, but you had a moment to show Ray versus Dark Ray. We needed another minute of this. We needed another minute of this scene right here. This looks so cool. I thought it was pointless. Break it could my have been heart. done so much better. We already saw something like this in The Last Jedi, and she had her dark cave moment, I but, thought, already. In but nobody knew what it meant. I, I, it was cool. <laughs> I They had it in the trailer. I think that draw people into the movie even more. And... Could they? I, I don't know. I thought it was pointless. I didn't think that. I didn't need to see that. It was cool. I'll give it that, but wasn't needed. The fight goes outside. The, wa <laughs> the water and the lightsabers look great. Also, Ray is getting tired. Is this because she gave her essence to that worm earlier? Probably, or she didn't want to hurt her boyfriend. Oh, Not a boyfriend God. has not been established in three fucking movies. <laughs> Okay, Steve. I, <laughs> I think the whole Kylo versus Ray, it could have been better. <laughs> I, it was, we, the, for being such an epic buildup towards like a final fight, and this is like, I don't know, how many late saber fight deals have they had? Is this their second one? Third one? In this movie? One? No, just period. I can't they count. Like, Which ones I mean, count? Do the ones where they're in different rooms count? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I think it could have been better, but I guess it, you did bring up a point. The fact that she was getting tired, I guess, when you really dive into it with your star Wars goggles on, uh, it, I, I guess it was different to see that because Anakin and Obi-Wan never got tired <laughs> and they went balls of the walls all over Mustafar, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I just, it looked lazy. Yeah. I'm I think with that's the best word for it. I'm with you, Steve. There is, there's still like an aura around these two where it's like, I don't think either of them wants to defeat the other person. So like, I don't think agree. 100%, I don't, I, I don't agree. feel like there's any anger on either side. Like at least with Darth Vader, it's like he was so far deep into the dark side. You knew that was controlling his anger and his actions here. Like we still have two characters that we're not really sure they have developed to who they're going to be. And so there isn't the, that like pull that you had when you saw Mace Windu or not Mace Windu. Um, Shoot, Phantom Menace, Darth Maul. Yeah. When you saw Darth Maul, it was like, you knew he just wanted to cut someone. Like, you knew <laughs> he was dangerous. There was no, like, real sense of danger for me in this scene. I 100% agree with you. I don't think this fight was supposed to be about danger. I think this fight was supposed to be about those two figuring each other out. And I think Joel hit the nail on the head. 
these two don't hate each other, and yet throughout this fight, they realize we're fighting each other. Why are we fighting each other? Is that why she slows down? Is it not that she's tired? Is she just like constantly questioning, why are we doing this? What, like, why are we constantly at each other? Why do we constantly interact with each other? Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I also know this fight can't be better than Obi-Wan Anakin. It can't. Obi-Wan Anakin has been established in canon as the best lightsaber battle ever yes. of all time. So, like, I've heard people say, oh, it wasn't like, it was like, it can't be. It's not supposed to be better than that one. It, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin has to be better than that. So they did tone it down a bit. And I think it was exactly what it needed to be. I thought it actually came in as a close second in terms of lightsaber battles. Um, I thought it was, actually, no. Now that I'm thinking, it's third. I think it's Obi-Wan, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul in Rebels, because that whole samurai fight scene was great, because it only lasted about two seconds. That was fantastic. And then this one, I thought it was good. Um, it was what it needed to be. And yeah, the whole climbing through everything. I love the nostalgia, seeing the helmets, seeing the cave scene. I think Steve's right. It was kind of a second cave scene, but I think Luke also kind of got a second cave scene because he had his cave scene in Empire Strikes Back, and then in Return of the Jedi, he has his moment talking with Obi-Wan at Dagobah, where they're kind of like going back and forth over, is this what I'm supposed to do type of thing. And so since Rey has nobody to talk to because everybody's died, she has her sort of like second questioning of what am I supposed to be by having a second cave scene because she didn't have her force ghost come back to talk to her, which is going to get into my big gripe later. And I think that the scene is in here because the last movie had one lightsaber scene and they were like, we better put a bunch more in this one. <clears throat> Desperate, Leia reaches out to her son through the force, causing him to hesitate. Ray takes this opportunity to stab Kylo with her lightsaber, but realizes too late that this also affects Leia, since she and Kylo were connected at the same time. Ray heals Kylo with the force, but is unable to save Leia, who dies back at the base. Distraught and still haunted by the revelation of her true lineage, Ray steals Kylo's TIE fighter and leaves. So, Kylo killed Han, Ray killed Leia. Jesus, Denny, we get it. You want to move on. Damn. Ray did not kill Leia. I never got that feeling whatsoever. Leia's passing was part of bringing Kylo back to the light side. Yes, this. I agree with Steve. Like, Kylo physically kills Han. And I, that, what, what, I mean, this when Leia passes, I mean, you don't see her, you know, Ray go, ha, 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 I got you now. But no, she's visibly <laughs> distraught. I mean, there's no way that, I, I, I guess I just don't agree with that. So that we're saying that Le Ray killed Leia. So did Leia kill Kylo? Is that what we're saying through if, this? If I guess. <laughs> Ipso facto. I, I didn't, I didn't catch any of what Joel said because the screen froze. Oh, he said, does screen that froze, mean so that. I didn't hear any of what he said. By like the transitive property, then Leia killed Kylo or the entity around Kylo. I don't know what that means. Well, we, these science Ray, teachers make up fancy words like transitive. I don't know what that, does math, that mean you're a, a guy and a girl? No. <laughs> I, I think Ray <laughs> kills Kylo after she heals him. Mm, okay. okay. I take that. No, what? Huh? <laughs> after, she, <laughs> after she heals him, this is like, Kylo turns it's to like, Ben. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's no longer Kylo. He's now Ben. Benjamin is back with us. 
<laughs> was he jamming the whole time? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> now, this is an issue, and this goes back to what you were talking about and what JC was talking about, which is certain lightsaber fights, we sit there saying, well, they don't want to hurt each other. Then then why are they fighting so fiercely? If one of those parries isn't blocked, Kylo is a ghost. Mm-hmm. And then she brings him back to life. What the hell for? There's still good in her. She wants to... I, doesn't want to kill, she doesn't want to kill anybody. You know, that's, that's too much of the light side in her. So well, she's she, the one that fires up her lightsaber first. I, I think this is all about emotion. I think Ray has just been hit with a bunch of emotional news. She thought she was one thing. She was trained to become one thing. Now she finds out she thought she had killed Chewie. She has lightning. Holy cow, she's a Palpatine. She's running on emotional overload. And what do young people do when they have emotional overload? They do stupid <laughs> And so she starts a fight, and after the adrenaline passes, after the fight is over, then she realizes, holy cow, what'd I do? And they trust in the Force, which is what every Jedi that's ever existed is told to do. Trust in the Force. Don't use your emotions. And so you're literally seeing young fighters, Rey and Kylo, versus experienced fighters like Obi-Wan, Anakin, and even Luke. Eventually, Ray, maybe if they ever do later stuff, will see her fight like Luke in The Mandalorian versus the Dark Troopers. There's no emotion there. He cuts through all of them, and it's just pure wipeout. But do you remember the first time Luke fought against his dad when he's young and he's emotional? It's fierce. It's but does he want to kill his dad? No. And he so cut his hand off. These- or no, he sh- he got him in the shoulder, didn't he? Yes, but. But you're. But this is my point. He wasn't. He was fighting fiercely. But say he had hurt his dad. What would Luke have instantly done? Felt sorrow. Felt remorse. Just like Ray did. Ray felt drained as soon as it happened. It's like this. Holy cow! What have I done? What they're doing is showing how inexperienced they are with the Force. And only when they fully trust the Force, when they fully understand the Force and let it flow through them, do they fight without emotion. I think it's fantastic. It's showing how young and inexperienced they are. I'm going to have my Stephen A moment right now. Okay, Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman, just listen. I know what you're trying to say. I know what you're trying to say, but I think I got you. Because if they're so experienced, if they're so inexperienced, how can they do all this new force that we have never seen before? So you're saying because I'm good at math, I should be good at writing too. Two completely different mediums, but way to try to get me on that. I didn't take that away. (laughs) If they're so good, if they're so inexperienced in the force, then how how can they do so many things that we've never seen other Jedi Masters do? Because emotion isn't taking over. When she does the transition, she's not in an emotional state. You're, 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 in order to prove your point, you're removing the key element, emotion. All right? Because Jedis don't use emotion. Exactly. She's not an, you're proving my point. She's not an experienced Jedi. Only experienced Jedi do it without emotions. But she, or do it well without emotions. Because she shot lightning out of her hands, does that make her an experienced Sith then? No, it means she discovered this whole new ability. It's like a kid that suddenly found out, holy cow, I know how to use a gun. Just because they know how to use the gun, do they actually know how to use the gun? No, having the ability to do something doesn't necessarily mean you know everything about it. 
Okay. I can't, I can't disagree with anything that he says. It all makes <laughs> sense. It really does. It's, it, it, it all is 100% complete emotion, and, and emotion just clouds everything. You, know, you can't think straight when you're doing it. And then once, what, once the action is done, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then you heal them. And they, now they're lovers. So it, it's it. No, it no. Well, God. No, that, that, yeah, that, she, that, that's the one step too far. That, <laughs> I cannot wait till we talk about that because your reaction when we left the theater was completely different. <laughs> yeah, I've had time to ruminate on it. I've had time to, to marinate in it. She returns to Octo, intending to exile herself there as Luke once did, but when she tries to burn the Skywalker lightsaber, Luke's force ghost appears and stops her. He tells her that she must not make the same mistake he did and reveals that Leia knew of her Palpatine lineage all along, but still trained her. He then gives her a lightsaber that was intended for Leia before she gave up her Jedi training because of her pregnancy. Rey remembers that Kylo has the other Wayfinder in his TIE fighter and removes it. Luke levitates his X-Wing out of the water, mirroring the scene where Yoda does the same thing in The Empire Strikes Back, and Rey sets a course for Exegol. I liked seeing Luke as a force ghost. Kind of pithy. How he says a Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. We got it, JJ. Ryan did you dirty. Be nice. Dude, that, oh, was, that was vicious. I didn't notice that till I read this. And that was such a major dig. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was like, well, that was well done, JJ. <laughs> Seeing Luke and Leia sparring was cool. Another scene that could have used more time. I would have liked to spend more time seeing that. And uh, when we first met Luke, we saw he put his X-Wing in the water. The impression was he was never going to be able to leave. However, he just as easily levitates it, and it's working fine. And if that's the case, why didn't he just hop in his X-Wing and last Jedi to take on Kylo Ren rather than overexert himself on Octo? JJ, did you not see all of The Last Jedi? I don't think he wanted to. I don't think he wanted to do it in person. I think I think he had made a decision never to leave that island. I think he was going to stick to that decision, but Ray coming made him realize, hey, I may never leave this island, but I still need to be a force in this galaxy. And so what's the only way he can do it? I'm not going to leave the island, but I'm still going to like inspire the spark that starts the rebellion. I think that's why he does it. Anything else? Uh, I love, as far as like just the force ghost scene, I, I loved it. Give me the force ghosts. Give me more force ghosts. Um, I want more of Jedi ghosts. Should have been ghosts, uh, not voices later on. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll play portals over that scene. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kylo is more conflicted than ever and racked with remorse over his mother's death. He has a vision of his father, Han Solo, encouraging him to renounce the dark side and return to the light. Kylo tosses his lightsaber away, reclaiming his identity as Ben Solo. Was this the best kept secret of the movie, Han's return? I would Probably, think so. Yeah. I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming at yeah, all. I, I totally didn't see it coming. I was surprised Harrison Ford wanted to come back. Or did they just shoot the scene way back in the first one and J.J. just used the film? Oh, I don't know. I doubt that. Right? I want to believe Harrison came back. <laughs> I mean, you you show Harrison you Ford $500,000 and be like, I don't know, six hours well, I guess I'll one do day. It. Be like, okay, <laughs> I can do that. Uh, the only difference between what Han says here and what Han said before he died was Leia is dead. Kylo's a mama's boy. Uh, yes, all boys should be mama's boys. Yes. Put the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yes, totally every, agree. Every, every boy should be a mama's boy. With Kylo presumed dead. 
Pride takes command of the Sith fleet on Exegol and destroys kimchi we also learned that <laughs> i feel like i'm about to go back and re-edit whatever the name of the planet actually is uh, we also learned that pride served palpatine during the days of the galactic empire why is kylo ren presumed dead they haven't seen him for a while like maybe it's been a long time or maybe they just want him dead because they don't like him oh. in pride served palpatine why not use one of the original actors from the original films we, we why have a new character here to do this this just fills a plot point that ultimately doesn't change a goddamn thing so my only thought was was pride in battlefront 2 is that where they're stealing from I haven't played the the campaign in Battlefront 2 in a while, but when they said that, I'm like, wait, was that character on one of the Star Destroyers in Battlefront 2? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, would have loved to see, like, Captain Nita be the one doing it. Ooh. One of the admirals at the end of Empire or something. Or should they have brought in um, the character from the trilogy, the book trilogy? Thrawn? Oh, Thrawn. No, not Thrawn, not Thrawn. The, Ray, uh, the, Ray, uh, Ray Sloan. Ray Sloan, yeah. That would have been perfect. I wonder if this, yeah, this should have been Ray Sloan, not Pride. Yeah. That's what it should have been throughout this whole thing. This should have been Ray Sloan. And the only reason, as I'm saying this, I'm having a thought because my brain is slow. The only reason why they don't have Ray Sloan there is when they do introduce Thrawn into like this new age of like the Mandalorian and the Ahsoka show. Ray Sloan is going to end up being with Thrawn. So wherever Thrawn is, wherever Ezra Bridger is, that's probably where Ray Sloan is too. Finn, Which is the only reason why Pablo wouldn't have let them use her here. Oh, Pablo's like, a prick. <laughs> you take that back. Pablo's a you prick. Take you take sacrilege, sir. Sacrilege. No, Pablo's a prick. Finn, Poe, and the others, now accompanied by Janna, return to Agent Kloss and are informed by Kim Chi's destruction as well as Leia's death. Chewie breaks down and howls in anguish over Leia's passing, and Poe is informed that he is to succeed her as general. This was good to see the death of the princess. Yeah, I agree. I think they did a good job presenting a plot point that everybody over the age of probably 13 was waiting for. Yeah. Uh, and they finally did one of the original three right. I mean, well, they did Luke right in Last Jedi, but Carrie, Harrison Ford, they did him dirty a little bit with his mm -hmm. death. They didn't, they, there was no mourning after it. It was just, well, we're moving on to the next movie. And this one, you yeah. had to sit on this one for a second. Uh, I'm glad Poe finally learned enough to be general, or at least waited long enough to win the resistance that just didn't have any other options. I thought that when they broke the news to Chewie oh. and seeing Chewie go through all those emotions, like, like anger, everything and how he's like slamming the ground and just in pure agony i mean from a I, that that was that felt real emotional i think when i saw that that was my first goosebumps of the whole yeah movie is what i got yeah totally when when chewy man when he howls i get so even now like thinking about it i feel the hairs on my arms sticking up and uh every time even when i watched it last night again it it's such power, man. And I, I don't know if, if Suatomo did it or if they took recordings of uh, Peter, but man, that was yeah. whoever did that, whoever acted those growls. I know people are like, oh, it's just no. There was like raw, heated emotion in those, and it gets me every time, every single yeah, it was, time. It was just like how when the, um, when Han was killed and Chewie just lets out pure emotion from The Force Awakens and just goes absolutely bonkers. 
Uh, Poe does yeah. not feel that he has what it takes to be the leader. The Leia was. Lando arrives, and Poe asks him how he, Leia, Han, and Luke were able to take on the whole empire when the odds seemed stacked against them. And Lando replies that they had each other and encourages Poe. Uh, hey, Poe, there were a few others involved with taking on the empire. It's called the Rebellion. They were just the four we were paying attention to in these movies. Uh, <laughs> R2 yeah. backs up 3PO's memory and then starts receiving a signal from Luke's X-Wing, realizing it's Rey and that she is leading them all to Exegol. Poe appoints Finn as his co-general and prepares to lead a resistance fleet against Palpatine Star Destroyers. You know what they say about having two quarterbacks? If you've got two, you don't have one. Lando is sent off in the Falcon to gather reinforcements from across yeah. the galaxy because this will work better than sending a broadcast at the end of The Last Jedi, sending one ship out to everyone. 3PO gets his memory back, so the whole speech has a lot less teeth back now, and and the way to get to Exegol kind of feels like a one ship size tunnel that zigs and zags, right? Yeah, this this kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier. During this scene, I realized that I've never noticed if there is ever any type of space debris floating around. <laughs> there are so many explosions, so many battles, so many giant ships just getting blown to pieces. Not once when they go to, I don't know, hyperspeed or whatever, do they like... Worry <laughs> about damaging their wings or anything, sucking in some miscellaneous debris. I nicked a piece of pilot glass. Yeah, you would think that, like, when this whole movie's done, they look up and they're like, ah, crap. Like, that's... Maybe that's why Han is always working on the ship. <laughs> like Maybe. But, like, they're... Like, the people on the ground are walking, but the ships are perfectly floating in air, not even a mile into the sky. <laughs> So do the ships have the ability to float or does gravity just, is it very limited towards the surface? Float? Or are they tethered? Are they tethered? Like, cause remember they have to take this thing down or whatever. I'm wondering, is there like a physical tether that holds them in place there? I don't know. Maybe, but they were just underground. I don't know. It, the whole thing, um, I, I, I thought too much into it. Ray arrives on Exegol and confronts Palpatine, who tells her to strike him down so his spirit may pass into her. Hey, remember, Emperor? He's here. He's here still. He threatens to destroy her friends <laughs> if she does, and Ray is about to carry out the deed, but senses that Ben has arrived to help her. I have been waiting a year and a half for the scene. Ian McDermott, you still got it, brother. Steve, go ahead. Go ahead. Piss all over me right now. So, I mean, Okay. I'm not going to do that because Ian McDermott is probably one of my favorite actors in this whole entire saga, but is he still really that powerful if all he has to have is a crane move him around and not the force? I mean, it feels like he's a little limited on his <laughs> movements. Again, I mean, when I, I read know. this, I snorted water. Funny. <laughs> I never thought of him being moved around by a crane. That was really funny. So, True. But here we go. Here's my going in. Captain Apology. <laughs> exactly. I'm Captain Apologist. Um, I'm not sure he is all powerful. Maybe like he was never, I don't know. This is me again apologizing. Maybe his thing isn't strength in the force, or maybe he will eventually be strong enough in the force again. Maybe what he really is is he's just manipul manipulative. Maybe that's what we are missing. Palpatine has was powerful in the force, but he's even more powerful as a manipulator, like battle meditation in the video games. Um, Basila Sean can manipulate people's emotions. Maybe that's what he has. Um, his ability to manipulate and control is unparalleled, and no Jedi would use this power. No Jedi would try to control the thoughts of others. Um, because it's too similar to like compulsion if you know the wheel of time series like where you're forcing people to do your will 
like no Jedi would ever do that. So Palpatine's just really good at forcing people to do whatever he wants them to if they're weak-willed enough. These are not the droids you're looking for. Yeah, but they're not. <laughs> you will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. <laughs> Pal- Palpatine's just, just better at it. I mean, it still proves my point. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just Palpatine better at it. The two manage to share Leia's lightsaber via the Force connection and take down the Knights of Ren together. Palpatine realizes they are a dyad in the Force and draws life force from them, rejuvenating himself. He declares that nothing will stop the return of the Sith and tosses Ben down a nearby chasm, seemingly killing him. Ben taking out the Knights of Ren and Rey manipulating the laser bolt like she's Yondu is a really cool action scene. Uh, but I don't know if you guys noticed that, but when Rey's fighting, she's actually moving the blaster bolt all over the place and it's hitting everybody. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, 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 that was cool. Uh, I, I love this. This is another of my favorite scenes. And and Kylo with the one saber and not that big broadsword saber, he's so much better with that. I'm, I, yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch that. Yeah, maybe, maybe the other one takes anger and it takes hate, and he really doesn't have enough to wield it. Better, he's the guy that like finally traded in his Porsche and was like, you know what, this Honda Honda Accord <laughs> is good for me. <laughs> It's so much more practical. <laughs> Everything is so much easier to use. Regular lightsaber, just the Corolla of lightsabers. Yeah. I didn't need I didn't need three blades before. That was that was greedy. Uh, I was overcompensating. And we get a the shot of Ray and Kylo getting ready to face off with Pelps. They both turn with their lightsabers, and Emperor says, "Stand together, die together." Pretty dark. <laughs> This is a Disney movie. It has to be dark. Yeah. Take your six-year-old. The resistance engaged. <laughs> wow. Wow. These are my friends, people. My friends. The resistance engages in battle with the First Order's fleet, but all seems hopeless as they are outnumbered and overpowered. Just as Poe thinks the battle is lost, Lando arrives with a massive fleet of ships from across the galaxy. Uh, just like uh, everybody returns in... Uh, Marvel. Uh, among the reinforcements are Zori and Babu Frick, who escaped Kimchi before it was destroyed, and Rebellion veteran Wedge Antilles shows up for one line. Now the Resistance has their own army capable of taking on the First Order. How did all of those ships get there without the First Order seeing them show up one by one? Yeah, <laughs> I had also noted, I was like, I really did enjoy this scene, especially the first time I saw it in theaters when I saw Infinity War a year before this movie was released. I think you meant Endgame, though. Endgame is when they all show back up, because if it was when they go away. Mm, oh, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Well, then then that ruins part of the joke, because they came out in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they like Thor and everyone returning was in the first one, but oh. with different different podcasts. Oh, no, 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 because they do, they do come back for the war. Yeah. 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 See, My bad. See? I, I ruined your joke. Yeah, but you introduced me to those movies, so we share in the joke. All right. Oh. But yeah, definitely... Uh, End, or sorry, Infinity War adjacent. Yeah. I thought it was a great scene. I, I love that it was like a reminder, this is a massive galaxy. This is a huge place. Did you like seeing Hera's ship? I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually, oh, as soon as I got it uh, home, I paused it, and I wanted to see, like, how many ships I could identify. Yeah. 
Uh, in Palpatine's throne room, a weakened Rey lies on the floor. Suddenly, she begins to hear the voices of the fallen Jedi reaching out to her. She hears Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Yoda, Qui-Gon Jinn, Mace Windu, Ahsoka Tano, Kanan Jarrus, Ayla Sakura, Luminar Unduli, Eddie Galalia, blah, 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 and finally Luke Skywalker, all of whom say that they will stand behind her and she must rise up to destroy the Emperor and restore balance. Yeah, I also really enjoyed this scene. Um, the first time I saw it, during the seventh Harry Potter. Um, but I liked it more in Star Wars because I understood it more, mm-hmm. but definitely had vibes of all of Harry's family and recently deceased, spoiler for those who haven't seen Harry Potter, um, coming back and encouraging him to come back against Voldemort. Yeah. Stevie? It's almost like it's almost like you're right after hearing all that, you're expecting Ray to say, Jedi, assemble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. Seeing a f- after like you know Palpatine takes their essence, their life force to resurrect himself, it is probably the most horrific thing in Star Wars I think that I have ever seen. It is straight. <laughs> that is something out of a horror movie with how his eyes look and everything like that. It looks great, but how much of that is CGI? A lot of it. <laughs> A lot of that looks CGI. Um, it was. It's a great idea. I love the idea of all of these people talking to her. And I know, especially at this point, watching the making of, they didn't have the time, they didn't have the money to probably get all these actors in, but this needed Force Ghost. I'm sorry, the voiceovers alone did not do it to me. It's my one gripe that I just won't get over. Seeing Rey lift that blue saber with all of those Jedi that just spoke as a Force Ghost line behind her would have been the image of not only this film but the entire flipping saga like that would have been it and it's just lost because hell if you don't have the subtitles on you don't even necessarily know who's talking true or you can't even hear them talking when i first saw it in the theaters joe rattled off oh did you hear i'm like no (laughs) and i was paying attention i just didn't catch it yeah and it's just like so much is lost because they're not force ghosts. So if they couldn't afford to have all those people flown in, I, I don't know, but hell, I almost want a like updated director's edition that just fixes that. Just have all of these people come back, dress them up as Jedi one more flipping time, record them saying their line and put them as force ghosts behind her. Cause that, that killed it. That, that was ruined because that should have been the scene because uh, there was so much I wanted that that would have been fixed just by that. Steve? I couldn't agree with you more. 110%. That would have been a better, um, a totally better scene. Kind of like it would have looked just been as powerful as like when Cap is looking at the entire army with nobody behind him. How powerful would it have been with Ray? looking at Palpatine with all of those Jedi behind her. That would have been freaking amazing. And there's Which YouTube- now I, I think I'm officially changing one of my top three. There's a, there's a YouTube video where they put all the ghosts behind her in it. Oh, they did? Yeah, there's oh, a YouTube video where somebody edited so bad. it. It's so good. And you're just like, what a missed opportunity. So yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. I'll have uh, to look for it. Yeah, and I think in the video, they're all, they all have their hands out and they're giving her their energy. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, wouldn't that have been so amazing? It would have been awesome. Uh, 
Uh, Such Ray, a lost opportunity. Ray that, gets to that her feet. me off more than anything. <laughs> Ray gets to her feet, and Palpatine attempts to shoot Force lightning at her, which she deflects with Leia's and Lucas Lu, Lucas Lucas's Luke's lightsabers. Perhaps ang Pal Palpatine angrily says that she is powerless to stop him, and declares, "I am all the Sith." And Ray responds with, "I." Oh, wait, no. I'm all the Jedi, not Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr., you get out of this game. It was such Imitation a ripoff. Imitation is the best form of flattery. It was such a ripoff. And deflects the lightning back at her grandfather, disintegrating his body and destroying the Lord of the Sith once and for all, or at least until 30 years from now when they find a way to resurrect him again. Marvel's laughing hysterically. <laughs> They literally copied the same ending and made half of what they did at the box office. I hated this. Yeah, but is it considered copying when you're owned by the same company? Oh. Or is it recycling? Laziness, sure. But would you consider it recycling at this point? That is recycling, I guess, yes. Yeah, I don't. I still don't prefer it, but. <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally the same thing, It's, but it didn't have that effect. I don't know. This yeah. was nine movies, not 23. No, it was six movies with a three, three movie epilogue. Um, the effort <laughs> drains all life from Ray and she begins to die. Ben crawls out of the chasm and transfers his life force to Ray, reviving her. They share a kiss before he dies, redeemed just like his grandfather before him. Meanwhile, the resistance destroys the first order's fleet, killing pride. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go back to that kiss. Where the hell did that come from? I hated every single part of this. I These two were played off like a brother-sister relationship. This scene was absolutely ruined by a kiss. JC. <laughs> I, rem I remember defending this. Because I, I, when I saw it with you guys, I like remember, I'm like, okay, this is building up to an attachment. They've had these connections, this this physical thing, but this is what did it for me. When I saw it with my son, he, said, he looked right at me. No. Just because I say your name doesn't mean I want you to come running over. Please go play in your room. Please. Sorry, Joe. Sorry. He, like, came running in because I said my son. Who, me? Yeah, exactly. I, I really wanted to defend this. I really did, because whenever I watched it with you, I thought to myself, okay, they had been communicating with one another. They had been talking to one another, so they were building this emotional connection. But then after watching with my son, my son looks at me deadpan, and he says to me, Dad, why'd they kiss? And when I, I went, uh, uh, if I don't have a reasonable answer for a six-year-old to understand, you done fudged up, Disney. <laughs> you done fudged up. If I can't explain it to a six-year-old, it doesn't make sense. Yep. So in my weird warped way, I tried to explain it, but when he was looking at me, I'm like, I, I got nothing. So thanks, Disney. Thanks for making my son ask me a question I couldn't answer. Thanks jerks. for making Joe right. <laughs> <laughs> The heroes reunite at Agincloss. Maz Kanata presents Chewie with one of the medals Leia presented Luke and Han with in A New Hope. Lando offers to help Janna find her long-lost family. Ray, Finn, and Poe embrace, celebrating their victory over the First Order. Um, and a lot of people thought that this was Maz Kanata giving Chewie his the medal that he should have gotten, but that was already covered in the comics. Yeah, this is because the right hand 
Pablo Hidalgo doesn't talk to the left hand, the four people that wrote this movie. Can we just have Pablo Hidalgo be the only one ever allowed to go over scenes with the writers for any future movies? Pablo Hidalgo is in charge. Done. Baseball. Give me Filoni and Favreau. Where there do you, you hold on? Where do you think Filoni and Favreau get all their info? They get all their stuff from Pablo Hidalgo. It would be a triad. You need the three of them. You need Hidalgo, Favreau, and Filoni. Steve, I I just you know not knowing what happens in the comics, being your average Star Wars fan, just it's like I just always thought Leia must have been holding this on onto it for him. He has no pockets, you know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> He's no, walking around with a metal hanging around his neck. <laughs> He may have gotten it in the comics, but then Leia held on. Oh, that's true. I like that. That's a good, I can buy that. All right. Steve, yeah. fix that for me. I'm good. Yeah. I, I think that there needs to be a committee of like 25 Reddit people and super fans to just fact check these scripts before it gets put out. They need the pay them in Funko Pop and limited edition posters. Give them pizza. They will be there and they will happily do it. My outside take was like maybe this was Solo's medal. That's how earlier. I saw it, and so it's like maybe oh, true. she was that's, giving that's over the medal that they got in the earlier movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally gonna go with that explanation. It's much more yeah, meaningful, that's, but that should have been explained at this Solo's, Yeah, that's that's Solo's medal. I like that. Some sometime later, Ray and BB-8 take the Falcon to Tatooine and visit the now abandoned Lars homestead where Luke Skywalker was raised by his aunt and uncle. She buries the Skywalker lightsabers there, having constructed her own. A local passes by and remarks that nobody has come by here in a long time. She asks who Ray is. Ray tells her name is Ray. Ray, Ray tells her name. Ray tells her her name. A weird <laughs> sentence. Ray, <laughs> Ray who? Asks the stranger. As the ghosts of Luke and Leia smile over her, Ray responds, Ray Skywalker. She and BB-8 watch the twin sons of Tatooine just as Luke used to do as a young man, but now they are rising and not setting. I kind of wish she had just leaned into it and said, Ray Palpatine. Nah. Because I, I she'd be changing she the name. She'd be changing the, the, the feel of the name at that point. No, because it carries on the Skywalker legacy. You and I have said this many times. It's the story of the Skywalkers. So if the last name she says is Ray Palpatine, do you remember Skywalkers or do you remember Palpatine? If well, it's the story of the Skywalkers, she's continuing the Skywalker song. Right. Well, then if she said Ray Palpatine, it would have to be called The Rise of Palpatine, right? True. Yep. Which is basically yeah. would have been a better name for this movie, actually, because it yeah, was because, the Rise of Palpatine. Right, and then you get the twist at the end. You're like, oh, that was the real Rise of Palpatine was Ray. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I mean, unless no. you just want to go completely millennial and just go, you know, Ray Skywalker Solo, hyphenate it. Hyphen. Or just Ray. <laughs> or just Ray. Exactly. I'm just Ray. Just, just Ray. Yeah. Uh, I, nah. I don't know. This one was. This is one of the the few gripes that I I don't give credence to. I think this was perfect. I think this oh, was gee, exactly thanks. That was nice. <laughs> Joe, this is the one time where I'm sorry, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is the one. All opinions are wrong but my own. If this is sorry, the one, no, I'll, I'll take I'll it. I'm sorry. That means Feige, Feige is correct. I'm glad that you said it the right way. <laughs> What's wrong with Feige? I was saying, like, if everything that he said is wrong previously, then yeah. Feige's correct. And he's admitting that. According to the, damn it! Okay, okay. I'm on your side. According, I don't know what's happening. Okay, 
According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter rating of 43%, 38 fresh reviews, and 50 rotten. The critics on this film gave this film a 5.9 out of 10, but let's see some of these rotten reviews here. Uh, Here's one from, uh, let's see, The Australian. I think The Rise of Skywalker is poorly directed, terribly filmed, clumsily edited, lamely scripted, a perennial problem, that one, and badly acted. That's you, Stephen Romay. What do you yeah, guys think? That, Does he have a point? No, I think it says more about a writer wanting to be famous for being a naysayer than actually having his own opinion. Ah, okay. J.J. Uh, Abrams' mechanical, nonsensical Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker contains so many resurrections, it's a wonder Disney and Lucasfilm didn't push back the release date from Christmas to Easter. That's, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> that one's good. That one's a... Uh, yeah, that, that's a good one. That's, that, that's catchy. And one more here. This is the San Diego Reader. When we meet up with brash pilot Poe, he's light speed skipping his way out of trouble, and Abrams is in much the same mode, whisking you from one thing to the next before you have much time to think or feel anything in response. Think he's got I can't say no. I, 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 I was going to say, that, one, that one's probably accurate. Yeah, this movie does move. Yeah, I had to ruminate on some things. So no, that one's pretty accurate. Uh, the audience score is an 86%. So the audience gave it much higher grades than the critics did. Wait, are we surprised that Tomato Meter is full of <laughs> This is my shocked voice. This is my shocked voice that anybody would put any stock in anything that Rotten Tomatoes has to say. And Jay-Z's battle with Rotten to- Tomatoes bash. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm so shocked that the audience likes something more than the critics. The people paying to see the movie. Yeah, I just can't figure out why they would like it more than critics would. So the movie's over. Confusing to me. (laughs) Were you entertained, Joel? I would say back then when I first saw it, yes. Now, eh, when I just watch it by itself, it was very much a eh, not super entertained. This is a fan movie, not a critic movie for me. So it's good to watch. I don't know if you're in the mood for it, but to sit down and just critique it. Eh, I don't know if I so. Yeah. Was. Steve? Yeah. I com- God, can't talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel completed, but I feel like nothing got accomplished in three movies. <laughs> that I, I think, actually, before you had written that, Joel, you had, you, I think you had written, which I totally aligned with, the, a feeling of emptiness, like something was incomplete. And that's kind of how I felt after this. I felt empty afterwards. I liked it. Oh, wait, you wrote it. Yeah, I felt empty <laughs> afterwards. Uh, JC, how about you? Uh, I, I, I very much enjoyed it, but I felt emotional too. I felt like, I felt great. I loved it, but I left having so many questions. Not, a, not necessarily empty, but I felt like for something to have wrapped it up, I felt like there was a lot I still wanted to know. Okay. Well, now it's time for Did the Awards Get It Right? So at the Academy Awards, I got three nominations, but didn't win a damn thing. Uh, Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures went to The Joker. Uh, No, that should have gone to John Williams. Bullshit. Well, yeah, we was joking. If John Williams is nominated, you just give him the award. That's what you do. But there was really nothing original in this. Yeah. Uh, Best Achievement in Sound Editing went to Ford V. Ferrari. 
Also, no, because I've seen that. I mean, yes, there's good sound editing, but I'm sorry, there's so much better sound in... This is the one that I actually get angry over. I'm like, no, <laughs> the sound in Star Wars was so much better than Ford v Ferrari. I think it's just people don't want to give it to Star Wars because they're like, oh, well, of course they're good at making these sounds. No, they just keep getting better at it. And you want to give participation trophies, so you get it to Ford v Ferrari. Actually, I'm surprised that 19, I haven't seen 1917, but being a war movie, usually those are the ones that get it. Um, I do have to agree. I, I did like the sound. My whole new thing is listening to movies with headphones, and it is so much better doing it that way. Yeah, I haven't seen 1917, which is why I can't speak for it, and I also can't speak for the next one with visuals, because I haven't seen it. I don't feel comfortable judging it, but the sound, I'm sorry. I don't see how anything beat. Okay, so the next one, is, next one was visual effects, 1917 one, but... It did not get this one right, but it got it right for the wrong reasons. Episode 9 should not have won this one. It should have been Endgame that won this one for visual effects. But is what it is. Yeah, yeah that one's tough because, like, I mean, how much of Avengers is actually real? Right. Like, the entire movie is visual effects. Just Thanos himself. Yeah. I mean, The yeah. Lion King was better than 1917. Yeah. The Irishman, not so much. You could kind of see it's that tough. was painted faces. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, no Golden Globes, no MTV Awards, and no Saturn Awards. And the reason why? COVID-19 killed all the award shows. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the end right there. Uh, on to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things that are well, highlight this movie. And then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesty. Let's start with the top three. Joel, go for it. Uh, my number three, I really liked Oscar Isaac's character. I've liked him through the whole thing. I feel like he was well balanced in this one. Um, kind of provides provides enough like casual persona that like Han Solo did, uh, but without being the exact same character. Number two, I'm going to go with the sensory sensitive droid. What's his name? <laughs> Dio. Yeah, Dio. Dio. Yeah, Star Wars doing what they do best, and I'm giving him my two because like he and Babu are like what I remembered leaving and that's Star Wars doing what they do best at the highest caliber which is just throwing haymakers of like you thought that was cute how about this <laughs> you thought that was cute how about this I mean just the I don't know this part of the the whole movie's wokeness which I'll get into later just the the, the robot that is definitely a little bit on the spectrum it's like don't get too close don't touch me no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, basically, just being the the Sheldon Cooper or whatever of C three PO, the future of that. Gotcha. Um, number one, the scene with Harrison Ford. His presence has been a ten out of ten. I think the surprise was great, and he owns every scene that he's in. So I think that he's his presence was flawless, giving it the number one. Awesome, Steve. All right. So my number three, everything about the Sith Temple was just awesome. And were those actually really Sith in the stands? Yes. So if so, that damn, that's really cool. But what about the rule of two? Is that thrown out the window? Oh, let me so, say this. Go ahead, JJ, go ahead. So, no, you guys. I was gonna say, so, so this, this touches into like extended universe stuff. You can be part of the Sith empire and you are identified as a follower of the Sith. So you would call yourself Sith, but that doesn't mean you are actually Sith. And I know that's incredibly confusing. So the rule of Sith is still a thing, the rule of two, 
because um, then the only two Sith would have been Palpatine and Rey. They would have been the rule of two. But then all the followers, all the people that worshipped these two people, they were people of the Sith Empire. And so it's, yeah, it, it's very confusing. So the answer to your question is yes, they were Sith. Were they like the Force powerful Sith? No, they're not, which is confusing. Gotcha. All right, cool. Uh, my number two, Ray grabbing the ship as it takes off and pulling it back down. That whole scene, I really, really liked. I even liked how they did the mechanics of the ship taking off and then pulling back and kind of twisting and prodding like, you know, some kind of retractor beam is just pulling it back and it's not coming back easily. Um, my number one, I, I firmly, I changed it. I, it was originally hearing all of the voices inside of Ray's head. I thought that was cool, but JC, you kind of made me not think so highly of it after what you said about it and what it should have been. So I'm changing it and actually hearing, and I might be a little biased on this one is hearing all the voices in Kylo's head. I have been every voice you have ever heard inside your head, hearing Palpatine, Snoke and Vader. I mean, I watched that scene before, um, we started here, and it's just awesome. Yeah. I actually yeah. love that scene. Uh, my number three, the Emperor is still spooky. Uh, <laughs> my number two, all the voices speaking to Ray at the end. It was a great way to tie the prequels, original trilogy, sequel trilogy, Clone Wars TV show, and Rebels TV show all together. Kind of like the portal scene in Endgame. And my number one, the chemistry between Ray, Finn, and Poe is so good. I wish we could have seen this new trio more in the new trilogy. Yep. JC? Uh, my number three is Poe was hilarious. I loved everything he said in this movie. Poe was perfect. I absolutely thought he was awesome. Every single scene with Ray and Kylo Ren was was good. As I say this, except for the kissing scene. But uh, yeah, everything but that was was gold. I love I love those two characters on screen. And uh, my number one is Chewie still alive. Chewie is still holding down the fort, and Chewie is there. Makes me happy. He's still flying the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to the bottom three. Time to vent Joel. Uh, my number three is and will probably always be John Boyega. <laughs> there is a reason that we didn't talk about him much in this movie because he ha he adds no value. No. Um, I kind of like what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. I'm just very aware that everything that he says is acting. I don't like... It sounds like he's giving me a monologue. He's not a fully believable character, and that may not be his fault. Gotcha. Um, if he was unhappy, it's not his fault. yeah. If he was unhappy with the way this movie went, I I can say that I've grown. I'm more open minded. Maybe Caden Christensen had the same issue. Fast and more intense. <laughs> they, I don't know. I feel like it was a wasted character that was not believable. Um, I feel like it was for a younger audience. Number two, um, let's see. What did I say? Um, it might just be that now I'm an adult, but I don't get excited when I see these 20-somethings able to do all of these crazy extreme tasks without fail the very first time. You have all of these very young characters. They're from the desert, and yeah. they're like, oh, a boat that floats on water? I've never seen water, but I'm going to know exactly how to use this thing. <laughs> Not only am I going to know how to use this boat, there's going to be an enormous storm that even the most accomplished sailors would have trouble with. And I'm going to do everything just fine the first time. Um, so that part of me, I was just like, eh, 
I felt old when I was watching that because I was like, there, she was raised, she's raised in the desert. She doesn't know what a boat is. <laughs> this is her first boat. Tell me about it. She's doing so well. <laughs> um, and number one, this is a movie for me that I need to binge up to. I wasn't, like, I wasn't excited to watch it this time, having not seen a Star Wars in however long the last time I saw Star Wars was. Um, but... Like, I mean, I've last thing I watched was like three episodes of the Mandalorian. So it's the thing. My number one with this movie is like, I can't just turn it on without having to go back and remember backstory. It's not a standalone movie. Um, it has cool visuals, very interesting effects, but it was, it's a tough standalone movie for me. And All that right. That's what makes it a number one. Okay. Stevie. Uh, my number three is the kiss that ruined that whole relationship slash scene. Uh, I hated it. <laughs> as jc would say at the very end of the war it. I hated <laughs> yeah. it. um yep. my number two dropping palpatine's return in the opening crawl i absolutely hated that bomb drill uh, yep. i think that they should have maybe alluded to something like instead of having saying palpatine the dark side or something is coming back and then and then reveal him a little bit later differently and my number one horses on a star destroyer <laughs> <laughs> One tip from that Star Destroyer because I've easily taken care of that plan. <laughs> I mean, I know they couldn't navigate, but you could still rotate, uh, twist and turn, and everybody's gone. Back <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> My number three is using the unused footage of Carrie Fisher. This, I didn't think it was very written very well into the overall story, and it ultimately felt really forced rather than organic or organa-ic. Huh? Oh, jeez. Huh? Organ <laughs> Leia Organa? No. Uh, no. no. Nothing? Okay, no. number two. This feels Not like JJ. You want a banana hammock? <laughs> no. This feels like. <laughs> number two. <laughs> number two. This feels like JJ Abrams tried to fit two movies into one, and in doing so, cut corners with wild coincidences. He should have just taken a bite of humble pie and taken the story from where Ryan Johnson decided to leave it. And my number one. I am all the Sith and I am all the Jedi. Sorry, we saw this already last year when it was done better with Thanos and Iron Man. Blatant ripoff, but that's what the sequel series has been anyway. Am I right? JC! Uh, my number three is The Kiss. I hated The Kiss. Uh, number three, I'm taken off with Joel. I hated how John Boyega was treated, but also Rose. And even Mary, or people that don't know who Mary is, Dominic Monaghan, like... Come on, the movie should have been four hours long. Give us more info. Give these characters backstory. Let them do stuff. Come on, Zack Snyder the thing. Uh, <laughs> number one is the Force Ghost, or lack thereof. It ruined that scene for me. If you didn't have subtitles, you didn't even know who was speaking. All right. Well, critics reading, we use an A to F scale on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives Fs from all the hosts. It goes to a new category of movie, the movie planet global killer, joining Solo, a Star Wars story, a category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, by today's standards, what do you give Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker in the space fantasy feature film genre? Joel, go for it. All right, so this is hard because I would say that my way of ranking has changed a bit since my last grading of these films. Unless this is being released immediately after the previous movie, then for those listening, there's not a giant time gap, and so this is my little secret. Um, I enjoy parts of this movie, and they're obviously... Um, I feel like there are parts that were really done well, but um, 
this was just not a movie. Like after the first time I watched it, I loved it. But after going back through, it's not just a mo- a standalone movie that's for me. Um, I feel like it's receiving a present of something that you already own. So it's like, oh great, I'm I appreciate the heart behind it, but I already own this. I've already seen this. What am I supposed to do with it? So unless it's check or cash, in that case, keep it coming. Um, but my biggest issue with this movie is that it, I never got emotionally invested into any of these characters. Ultimately, that could be a fault of the movies before it, but it hurts the watchability for me. I don't like some of the new characters. Some secondary characters seem incredibly forced. Um, and there are a few things in this movie that I felt were very obvious and forced during like a social and political climate of the time. Um, in the long run, I don't think that those parts of the movie will even be an issue because no one's going to know because it's going to be so far removed. But when watching it in theaters, there were moments that like, even if like the statement, it was something I agreed with, I just rolled my eyes because like, you know, I went, it's like you go to the movie to avoid what's happening in the news. And there were things I was like, oh, dang it. They it made its way in. Um, <laughs> But the movie has kind of like their Parks and Rec moments where I feel like every character got their final nod towards the end. I appreciated that part. It's really not a bad movie, just not really for me. Um, For science fiction, I think it's very good. Um, But I wish that I didn't need so much background knowledge to understand some things, to understand the importance of characters um, if I were to just watch it once. So I would give it a C plus being just above average. There was, again, we talked about material that was reused very kind of semi-unoriginal a lot of respectful nods but some forced cuteness just lacking depth so um a very nice object made out of other recycled parts from the previous eight movies all hey, right that's a good. good line i like that line. Yeah. i don't agree with it but yeah. I like that line. <laughs> all right steve you're up all right this is the end of a saga this movie is uh is definitely and it was very enjoyable to watch. It taps into some of the darkest, dark side of the force we have ever seen. And call me biased, I loved it. Bringing back Palpatine seemed like a desperation move from Disney. I feel like that after The Last Jedi was finished, this was never part of the original plan. They brought back a major character from the past to fix the new. I really wish they would have surprised us all a lot better with his return than spoiling it in the opening credits. The the hype was gone. The good part of it is it kind of worked. I mean, at no point in time did I ever feel like I needed to leave the movie. As a new fan, this would be the last movie that you definitely need to see in the saga or else you are completely and utterly lost. Um, The others... The other movies, they're kind of debatable on how you can watch them, whether you want to watch the new ones all the way through, start with the new ones or start with the old ones, the originals, and then going back, you know, that's all debatable. I thought the pacing was good, surprisingly, because it's very high octane, and I didn't feel exhausted afterwards. The characters were on a time crunch, and this was portrayed a lot better than how they did in The Last Jedi with that time crunch. Before today, I've talked to Joe, I've talked to you, Joe, multiple times on the new Disney Star Wars and how they've introduced more humor into these movies, um, i.e., the whole Hux and Poe exchange at the beginning of Last Jedi. This that felt forced, kind of like Guardians 2 forced. Rise of Skywalker, they only had a couple because I put in my notes. It's like, okay, I need to keep track of all the stupid, unnecessary humor humor in here and the it started at where C-3PO came and had to hold hands with everybody. I'm like, 
Okay, that's one. After that, I couldn't really find much of everything else. So I I nod that to the director. Well done, JJ. The lightsaber fight, that was average at best. Ewan McGregor and the ever-talented Hayden Christensen, you've spoiled us. At the end of the saga, or the day, uh, I give this movie a solid B. It's definitely entertaining. They wrapped up the story as best as they could. You're not going to please everyone in the Star Wars universe. They have one of the strongest fan bases probably ever. The problem with these movies is that their fans have these insane theories. Some are great and some are terrible. This is why fans will never be satisfied because they want to know more to prove to themselves that they know what's going on better than anyone else. After the return of the Jedi, it was perfect. Done. My saga is one to six. I can watch those and be satisfied like how I was after Endgame. The new Disney trilogy, that's eh, a spinoff. All right. I'm going to go next and give JC the last word because this is his baby. Uh, <laughs> I am not a fan of Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. However, when I take my fanboy hat off, it is an above average film. I gave it a B minus if I recall. Now, I gave it a B if I recall. Now, even though I didn't like all the choices that Ryan Johnson made in that movie, it's not fair for me to critique where he decided to take the story, but he closed nearly all the unique storylines in his movie. This is why I really have a problem with episode nine. When I think of this movie, I think about a four by 100 relay race in track and field. Trilogies and franchises by their very nature rely heavily on the handoff of the relay. A good handoff can start your film with success and a bad handoff can start your handoff in the hole. If the first leg of the race was Lucas's episodes one through six, this runner is way ahead of the pack. The second leg of the race was episode seven. Good handoff, kept the lead. The third leg of the race was episode eight. Received the handoff, but appeared to be drunk while running and was shifting lanes every so often. For some reason, this runner started jumping over invisible hurdles. Not a good look. However, they made it to the final runner. The fourth leg, the anchor of the race was episode nine. Sloppy handoff, fell behind, and then, rather than complete the race, ran back to the spot where the third runner started and re-ran his portion of the relay, as well as the final leg, thusly putting him in dead last. This movie ends a shockingly poorly planned trilogy. We all know Colin Trevorrow wrote a completed script for episode nine. You can download it and read it. In my opinion, it is much more original, more ambitious, and in general, a much better story. Star Wars fans will look back at the sequel trilogy as the Disney trilogy because it just didn't feel like the others. It felt more like a spinoff of the original movies using some familiar faces to, to draw you in. Kind of like when Boy Meets World rebooted Girl Meets World. The stories were the same, but they had to bring in the familiar faces from the previous show just to get eyeballs on it. Say what you will about the prequels, but at least it was wholly original storytelling. J.J. Abrams does some good things with this movie. It is shot really well. The action scenes are magnificent and epic, and the story moves pretty fast. There isn't a pacing issue here at all. And the actors, look, I will say this until I'm blue in the face, the actors in the sequel trilogy outact nearly everyone in the first six films. It is just a better quality cast in general and better direction. Story-wise, this movie tries to shove two films into one. 
and in doing so tries to retell Return of the Jedi, but with new actors. Carrie Fisher's passing obviously changed the script dramatically, and that may have been the biggest stumbling block, but after all, this was supposed to be her movie. Abrams did the best he could with what he had, reusing old footage and whatnot to try to get her presence there, but it just didn't feel right. Starting this movie with the Emperor felt forced. We've been there and done that. It was almost like J.J. has to bring back all those familiar faces to save Star Wars fandom, which was getting a little unhappy with the overall direction after the OK Rogue One and the piss poor solo. Overall, I'm giving this movie a C minus. And in turn, I'm dropping my grade of Last Jedi from a B to a B minus. This bumps The Last Jedi out of the Pantheon as it drops from 8.4 out of 12 to an 8.2 out of 10, 12 I mean, and the seventh spot becomes Star Wars A New Hope. Ryan Johnson's closing of the storylines in episode eight gave Abrams nearly nothing to work with, and that is a bad handoff. This movie is watchable. And there are plenty of people who enjoy seeing all the same old people. But if somebody who's never seen Star Wars asks me what movies they should watch, I'm going to say simply watch episodes one through six. That is the Skywalker saga. JC, you're up. Uh, this movie does a whole lot more good than bad. It really does. Um, but for a lack of information that some people need, minus one. For the kiss, minus another one. The lack of force ghosts, another minus one. So that's a B plus for me. All right. <laughs> I love your expediency. <laughs> Especially since we're cruising on to three hours. Holy shit. Okay, so if our if we average your grades, you give it we, we we give this thing a seven point seven five out of twelve. That is a C plus, and it is not making it into the Pantheon. So the Pantheon is officially Episode seven at number one, episode three at number two, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back at number three. Number four is Return of the Jedi. Number five, Rogue One. How'd you get in here? Number six, The Phantom Menace, and number seven. The granddaddy of them all, episode four, A New Hope. And that is our pantheon now, but let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above, Joel? Yeah, I like it. And I say that because I do, again, I've said it, I remember leaving theaters very pleased with my experience. But unless I'm doing a marathon, I'm not coming back to this one anytime soon. Steve? I, I liked it, I guess. I mean, I guess if I have to think about you know, the movies that I own, I only own one through six. Oh, I do own Rogue One. That one wasn't bad. But like <laughs> The Last Jedi and this one, I don't own these yet. Okay. Um, I Hopefully I get them as a gift because I don't know if I feel like going out and spending my own money. Um, but I liked it. Joe? Uh, I'm... Uh, I have to take my endgame hat off. I'm going to say like it. I like it. I like it. I don't love it. it. Endgame makes me want to say none of the above. But if I take my Endgame hat off, I just like this movie. JC? Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right.
Well, that's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll look at E.T., the extraterrestrial for the family film Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Podbean and give us a four or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Gentlemen, any last words? Joel? In the words of the late, great Han Solo, don't everyone thank me at once. <laughs> Steve and JC, anything? I, well, JC, I she, she could have said no. He thinks it's a visual yeah. podcast. <laughs> right, so I immediately just thought of this. Um, does this go into the grade of the saga pantheon now? Isn't there a pantheon for that? Yeah, there is, but I got to go into the numbers on that one. Okay. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That'll be revealed. I'll put that in this podcast. Oh, in terms of that, then I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> JC, you sure? Nothing? The Force will be with you. Nothing? Well, yeah, the Force is always with you because the Force is everywhere. <laughs> there it is. Just not stand, just not standing behind right. Thanks for listening <laughs> and happy movie watching. Bye, Steve. <laughs> We're out. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>